0: Take a ride from the high desert and the great American Southwest, exclusively on Sirius XM Radio, this is Dark Matter with your host, Art Bell. Now, here's Art. Extraterrestrial radio, Dark Riders, welcome. I am Art Bell. What an adventure we're going to have tonight with Timothy Good. I think you probably know that name. Anybody in ufology circles knows that name. But I have a number of things first. Much like Obamacare website, we're having a little bit of trouble <laughs> with some people getting cut off. And uh, it's vexing, to say the least. Uh, there are various error codes. One might encounter 1001. 500 and something, 300 and something, I don't know, all kinds. So we can use your help in trying to figure out what the hell's wrong. We don't want people cut off. So if you're listening on the web, whatever you're listening on, here's what I want you to do. When you get cut off, make note of it, the time it occurred. Tell me where you are and tell me what kind of operating system you are using. And email me. This is how it could conceivably get cured. I say conceivably. <laughs> so send it, uh, send your cutoff report, please, to artbell at artbell.com. That's artbell at artbell.com. Attention hands, amateur radio operators. Our son is going berserk. Ladies and gentlemen, our sun has come alive, really come alive. There are some pretty ominous things facing Earth. We're right at the end of a long uh, gun barrel right now. And it's amazing to see, and I'm going to see to it that you see it. Because up on my website right now, we have this lovely gal (laughs) who um, actually looks like a, a... you know, network weather girl. Except she's talking about what's going on in the sun right now, and she explains it really, really well. It is fascinating. There are some big storms. You might even call it the perfect storm headed toward us. There have been four large flares, and they're all headed our way. I mean, these spots are pointed right at Earth. So... Uh, you're going to want to check it out. I'm sure you'll think, uh, you hear, hear things like uh, light to moderate x-rays with proton showers possible. And you're going to watch for that occasional gamma ray burst. <laughs> no, not really. She'll She'll explain the technical side of it. And it really is fascinating if you've ever wondered. Finally, our sun is raging in the night and the day. And so that makes for wonderful conditions on the radio. Until the storms hit, then there'll be nothing. <laughs> anyway, you really want to see this. Go to rpl.com. Click on the Sun Weather Gal. Gee, that's well done. I've never seen that before, but it's uh, very, very well done. Uh, I am coming to the conclusion that school shootings here in America are becoming the new normal. Massachusetts, uh, here in Nevada, little town, Sparks in Nevada. They are becoming the new norm. I mean, you hear about them all the time now. Are we going to get used to that? Are we really going to get used to school shootings in the news? Hmm. Remember, we've got a ghost picture contest underway, and judging is underway, too, and it all ends this Sunday. Or the submission part of it anyway, this Sunday at noon, it's all over. So if you have a ghost story, send it to Ghostmaster. No, just kidding. Send it to Webmaster <laughs> at ArtBell.com. If you've got a ghost story, send it to me. A one paragraph summary is just fine. And then your phone number and we'll call you when we do our Halloween show spooky matter well one comet yesterday exploded ison however is still on track to amaze and or disappoint we'll have to find out but one comet did explode what sometimes when they get near the sun it's just too much for them and they go i was talking to somebody earlier tonight about something that uh oh let me give you the rest of the reasons to go to the website right now A UFO uh, caught by multiple cameras. That's always good, right? If you're in doubt, multiple cameras in Jerusalem. That's on the website. A giant alien in Peru is on the website. An unknown but disgusting life form has been filmed uh, intimately in North Carolina. This this thing is growing in the North Carolina sewers, and it's disgusting. I mean, it's really just, yeah, <laughs> some new life form they claim growing in the North Carolina sewers. And I, I you know, uh, watch it if you if you got the guts. It really is pretty awful looking. No idea what it is. Don't really want to know what it is. Definitely don't want to go down, and I wouldn't be that close with the camera. I hope the guy had a zoom lens, or the gal, whoever took it. Got a flash from uh, my own company, Sirius XM. Two Sirius XM employees. I wonder if I'm supposed to read this. <laughs> it's an internal memo. Well, all right. It's about something very public. Tomorrow... Sirius XM is going to launch the FM-6 spa- um, satellite. It's actually not the FM-6 spacecraft, but uh, satellite. And it's going up on a proton Russian rocket from Balkanur, uh Cosmodrome. That's in Kazakhstan on an ILS proton rocket. It can be viewed. In other words, you can see the launch and the spectacular success of our new satellite and or... A spectacular destruction of an incredibly expensive satellite in Russia. One of those two things will happen. Uh, so if you would like to see that uh, one way or the other, you might want to wander over to my website again, artbell.com, and uh, there will be live video from Russia of the launch. Pretty cool stuff, actually. All Glancing, if I dare, briefly at the national news. Do I really want to do this? Um, In Massachusetts, a teacher who was allegedly killed by one of her own class uh, students apparently had asked to stay after school the day she was killed. This uh, teacher was a beautiful young gal who was... um, You know, her picture has been around uh, poor gal who was revered by her students and shot by one of them, allegedly. This is why I hate the news. Residents of a northern California community expressed skepticism Thursday about uh, a sheriff deputy's decision to shoot a popular 13-year-old boy who was carrying a pellet gun that looked apparently like an assault rifle. You know, I'm going to give up reading this stuff pretty soon. A former Ohio doctor accused of killing a pregnant woman last year by injecting her with heroin after she answered a Craigslist ad pleaded guilty Thursday in her death. And, of course, that of her nearly full-term unborn child. Or we can look down here. Uh, Dallas, please, we'll seek a grand jury indictment against an officer who was fired after shooting a mentally ill man in a disputed incident caught on tape you know i may not read this stuff anymore and finally of some something that's not what i just read no one likes to believe so when a recent texas high school football game ended in a score of 91 Zero. <laughs> One angry parent filed a complaint a lawsuit i guess alleging the contest had crossed the line from tough loss to unlawful torment <laughs> <God>. <laughs> so they're filing a lawsuit i mean you know, you gotta laugh at something right and what was there to laugh at in any of the other stories but 91 to zero unlawful torment in other words, once they were far enough ahead, I guess the, the um the thought here is they they should have had the grace to stop. But no, they just went and got as many touchdowns as they could. <laughs> so it's gonna be a lawsuit only in America. Boy, I guarantee only in America. Okay. Uh Fukushima, there's a lot of really Possibly negative news about Fukushima, because TEPCO is about to try to remove these spent fuel rods from reactor number four. Now, this is going to be one hell of a dangerous, very dangerous job, and it's going to be going on for quite a long time. These things are heavy, really, really heavy, and there are many of them. Uh, During this period, TEPCO plans to carefully remove more than 1,300 used fuel rod assemblies, uh, packing radiation 14,000 times the equivalent of a Hiroshima nuclear bomb from the cooling pool. The, uh, The operation to begin removing fuel from such a severely damaged pool has never been attempted, ever. The rods are unwieldy heavy each one weighing about, get this, two-thirds of a ton. And all this has to be done not automatically, as most things are in such a case, but by human beings. Good luck to us. Should the attempt fail, a mishandled rod could be exposed to air and catch fire, resulting in horrific quantities of radiation released into the atmosphere, and the resulting radiation will be too great for the cooling pool to absorb, as it simply uh, has not been designed to do it. Of course, the whole pile of these things could come crashing down, that would be the worst case scenario, and uh, if that happened, it would be an apocalypse, Reactor 4 contains about 10 times more cesium-137 than Chernobyl did. So the more you read about this, the more frightening it absolutely is. It is absolutely frightening. And and one more frightening thing for you. The oarfish that are washing ashore in California are thought to be precursors of an earthquake. Now, they did wash ashore. These are deep, deep, deep ocean bottom dwellers, you know. Big, giant fish. They almost look like something alien. But they inhabit the bottom of the ocean, and the thought is, when there's tectonic movement, the orfish, that like the bottom, immediately detect it and take off like bandits. fish washed ashore in Japan before the big one. Or fish are washing ashore in California now, too. Extremely rare and something to be concerned about. All right, well, I've got so much more. As I said, a riches, we have riches of uh, material tonight. Certainly, you're going to want to go to artbell.com. First opportunity, you get it. Obviously, if you're out there in a the truck, don't do it. I know that there's a temptation when I talk about these things. All right. The super USB Wi-Fi 3 antenna. Why should you want one of these? Well, if you're a techie like me, you're going to want it because it's the best of breed. What does that mean? Well, if you like receiving distant Wi-Fi signals and or the one you love very well, in other words, your own Wi-Fi signal. You really need this. If you're out there in a truck somewhere, this is a have to get. You need it. Why? Because you pull into a truck stop somewhere, you lick a couple of, it, this thing's about what, nine inches long, eight inches long, something like that. It's got little suction cups on each end. You put it in the window, plug it in with a USB plug to your computer, and oh, baby. You're going to have Wi-Fi that just doesn't quit. I mean, this will make any laptop look sick. You know, the internal Wi-Fi receiver in it—it's that good. A little software goes in, you plug in the USB cable, and that's it. Fifteen-foot cord, and uh, this will do you. It's ninety-nine ninety-five. It's the real McCoy. Call C Crane at 8863 To give you an idea of the size, it's about the size of a ruler, right? And again, it comes with a 15-foot cable. So you can use it permanently, or you can use it, you can carry it, use it in a truck, whatever you want. Again, that number, 1-800-522-8863. The Z-Crane Company makes really, really good stuff. Coming up in a moment... You've heard his name, I'm sure now, probably all your life, or a good part of it. Timothy Good and UFOs on Dark Matter. Yes, raging in the night. Well, all right, coming up, Timothy Good. Timothy is regarded as one of the world's leading civilian authorities on alien phenomena, known for his integrity in his determination as a highly skilled researcher. He has lectured at the Royal Canadian Military Institute, Royal Naval Air Station, uh, Portland, the House of Lords All-Party UFO Study Group, the Institute of Medical Laboratory Sciences, and the Oxford and Cambridge Union Societies. In 1998, he was invited to discuss the subject at the Pentagon's Defense Airborne Reconnaissance Office. Wow. And at the headquarters of the French Air Force in 2002. He has also acted as a consultant for several U.S. congressional investigations, is author of a dozen books on the subject, including Above Top Secret, Alien Contact, Alien Base, Unearthly Disclosure, and Need to Know UFOs, the Military and Intelligence. Timothy lives in London, England and that is I I think where we find him. Timothy, uh good evening.
1: Good evening to you, sir.
0: Wow. Pretty good connection I would say. You're you're in London? I am. Well then I'm I'm impressed. Pretty good <laughs> pretty good stuff. All right. Um gee, where to begin? Um when did we last talk, Timothy? I think
1: Art, if my memory serves, it was about 2005.
0: It's been a long time.
1: It might have been more recently (laughs) than that. but
0: um, No, 2005 sounds about right to me. Okay. So uh, it's really extra wonderful to have you back on the program. Well, thank you. Um, And perhaps you would like to summarize everything that's happened between 2005 and 2013 today. Oh, for heaven's sake! Can you start <laughs> off there? Ah, just kidding, just kidding, Timothy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I can certainly give some. Some uh,
0: I bet you could.
1: <laughs> quite quite a bit been going on recently.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, there is. Um, I've got this wealth of UFO. Uh, photographs and um, all the rest of it up on the website, it seems to be coming on a daily basis now. All kinds of sightings all over the place. It's kind of exciting, actually. Yeah, good. So how did you get into this field, um, you know, UFOs, aliens, that kind of thing, in the first place?
1: That's a very good question, Art. Um, It goes back to the mid-1950s, would you believe, when a cousin of my mother's, a distant cousin of my mother's, a guy called Edmund C. Berkeley, um, visited and stayed with us in our family home. And he knew of my passion for aviation and space travel. So he said, Timothy, what do you know about flying Sarsars? And this guy, as I say, Edmund C. Berkeley, he was uh, um, the first person to write on computers and automation. In fact, I think uh, that was his first book um, back in the in the sort of like 1947, something like that. All right. And uh, he was a highly respected guy, apparently. And he said to me, Timothy, you like airplanes and spaceships? You need to know about flying saucers. So he gave me this book called "The Flying Saucers Are Real." By Major Donald Kehoe. It was a paperback, I still have it to this day, and I was enthralled because there were all these reports from airline pilots, commercial pilots obviously, um, and military pilots. And, you know, even if the pilots had been drinking, the radar sets had not. So I think <laughs> you'll find in most cases where craft are reported by pilots, it's supported by, by radar, and, of course, that, that's the clincher for me because radar actually is extremely sophisticated, far more sophisticated than, than people think, especially these days. Yes. I can remember, well, I was told by, by some naval um, military guys about 15 years ago that um, and, and they were talking in terms of years before then that the Americans had a very sophisticated uh, line of sight radar, which could actually determine the types of engines from the fan blades of Russian wow. bear bombers.
0: Wow, <laughs> that that is a wow. Uh, they, yeah. they they get that kind of. I'm curious, Timothy, on radar, how. How would that be represented, or would it be interpreted by a computer?
1: Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't know. I don't have the, the technical expertise to, to answer that one. Art, but um, That's certainly, amazing. certainly, uh, the radar is extremely sophisticated and get, getting increasingly sophisticated, if not if not completely perfected, by now.
0: Oh, I can only imagine, uh, what the top levels, you know, military stuff is able to do. Uh, they're always way, way ahead of the rest of us. Um, that's amazing. That's really amazing. You yeah. can tell the type of an engine on, on radar, direct reflect radar. Incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So I can see how your interest was sparked. Now, now for me, it didn't take a sighting, uh, and at, it was really funny, Timothy, after I got interested in ufology, really fascinated by it, I had, you know, my own little sighting or big sighting. And at that point, life changes and you know what you saw. Yeah. And after that, how about you? Have you, have you ever had that moment where you saw something that was not in dispute because it was not from here?
1: Yes, I have. But very few and far between over the years. But the first one was 1963, when um, it was—I uh, think it was August the first, 1963, if memory serves me. I was sitting out in the garden um, of my parents' garden, and um, we all spotted this brilliant point of light in the sky. It was—it was a relatively clear sky, and I turned my binoculars on it, and it was like a sort of cone-shaped, triangular-shaped object. Uh-huh. And photographs were taken by United States Air Force planes. Forget the Royal Air Force. <laughs> the U.S. Air Force were there before our, our people, and they really? they, took, they took gun camera film of it. And it was a very large object, just suspended, just hanging there for about an hour and a half. And, as I say, clear photographs were taken. In, in my book, Above Top Secret, I, I reproduced a photograph taken by A chap on the ground uh, who I knew, a pilot uh, on the ground who who, uh, took took it through through his telescope, and it's it's quite clear. Okay, so So you you, you
0: personally observed this, right?
1: Yes, I did for about an hour. So
0: (laughs) an hour and a half—that's really, really a long sighting.
1: Thousands, Um, thousands of of witnesses all over London and and the, the, the home counties saw this thing.
0: So my question is: after you had that personal experience yeah uh, how did that did that change did that bring you to a new level uh, even beyond a sort of casual interest that you you mentioned uh, or even an intense interest uh, from reading that book given to yes
1: you? definitely no question about it i mean that, that sort of pinched it for me
0: i see uh, so then you began investigating uh, ufo encounters of many many others uh is that is that a fair assessment of what you 've been doing all these years
1: uh, absolutely absolutely non
0: righty um, for the sake of my audience, many of whom are doubters, I would ask you i think how you vet when you when you come upon somebody and a report and maybe you 've got photography you 've certainly got stories, witness stories. How do you vet these things to decide uh, the wheat from the chaff?
1: Oh, it can be very difficult. Witnesses are are vital. And, of course, so the the caliber of the witness becomes paramount. You need to know whether they're they're absolutely on the level or they're just um, fantasizing or they're just trying to, you know... The all over your eyes, so you have to be very careful. And but I've met a lot of very genuine witnesses, that's 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 for sure.
0: I would imagine you've you've met both camps,
1: yes, absolutely. I've I've lectured to, to um, what uh, <laughs> what you Americans call skeptics with a K, we call them S C E P T I C S. We have them over here, too. Uh-huh. And um, the, the amusing thing about the, the groups that call themselves skeptics is, is that they're not genuinely skeptical. They're debunkers, actually. Um, skepticism is absolutely warranted reaction to, to all this stuff, uh, anything really you know, bizarre and peculiar. But uh, just to debunk it, they should call themselves debunkers rather than skeptics because they just will rubbish everything to do with it.
0: Uh, yes. Well, it's been my observation. Uh, you know, I deal with a lot of photographs. You know, when you're doing a talk show about this kind of thing, you get a lot of photographs. And yeah. frankly, a lot of them uh, are probably baloney. However, here's what I have figured out. Uh, if you have a really, you know, blurry photograph of a UFO, people go, oh, come <laughs> on. Sure. Even, even though even though uh, somebody grabbed a camera in a hurry, probably was moving as they were in shock almost viewing this graph. And, and of course, uh, you get a slightly blurry photograph. And then on the other end of the scale, Timothy, you have people... Very rarely with a high-quality camera, fast yeah. film, and a steady hand, even in a scary situation. And they come up with something that's just astoundingly clear. And then that same group of people says, oh, Photoshop.
1: Yeah, that's it.
0: So, it, it, and gradients in between. Uh, so there will be yeah. no photograph that they would say, wow, looks like the real thing.
1: Yeah, and and you know online um, I I sort of check every day I, I get sort of um, um, g- Google alerts to, to to the UFO situation stories in the press and and, and media generally and everything and uh, it's it's very interesting an awful lot of photographs are quite obviously birds that just happen to fly by in mid flats <laughs> <laughs> and get caught in the camera and unfortunately uh, you can you can look at those online every day and people think oh i you know i didn't see anything at the time well you you, you wouldn't normally if you you know if you, if, if a bird zooms by but uh, people do capture them and it, a bird like a like a seagull in mid flap looks like a disc on on edge so it's no you know it's no wonder people are are, are fooled so one has to be very very careful but as you know, over the years, some some great photographs and film have
0: been taken. Oh, I know. I know, I know. Um, do you have a favorite, I mean, of of all the things that you've researched, do you have a favorite, one that uh, just sails over every bar that you've set?
1: <laughs> what, a sighting or, 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 or photographs or, or, or what? I'm sorry, can you be more specific?
0: Oh, um, I mean to be non specific, uh, whether it's a sighting, a photograph, okay. a creature, uh, a, a, you know, witness encounters. In other words, something that just is over the top legit.
2: Well,
1: I can only speak for myself. I have had several encounters with people who I believe um, were aliens, and that's the first one was in. 1963 when I was touring the United States with the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra and I forget exactly where we were. All I can remember is that it was about 512 miles from Tucson. Um, something like it was a 512 mile journey from Tucson, Arizona to Los Angeles. And, and um, we were kindly given a, a one hour stop during that 512 mile flight to, to, get, <laughs> to get our evening meal. Mm-hmm. And we stopped at this diner. And I I saw, I was with uh, three colleagues. We were sitting by a window and we'd we'd got our food. And um, I noticed waiting in line, not that far away, was a very petite, extremely attractive, very unusual looking girl. And there was just something about her which alerted me. And I put out the thought in my mind, if you're from elsewhere, would you mind just passing by and giving me some kind of proof. That was all in my mind. (laughs) Like a minute later, when she came out of line carrying, she might've been carrying a cup of coffee or something like that, I can't remember precisely, but she came past the table and did a very low, gracious curtsy and and bow, and and then she just stood up, deadpan expression, and walked away and um well i had three witnesses with me and they said tim hi <laughs> what's that all about how did you get to know her and i i was i was mesmerized and that that was the first in 63 and then in 1967 there was um in some ways a more convincing one um, i was staying at what was then the Park Sheraton Hotel. I think it's off off of 7th Avenue in New York. We, we had a series of concerts at Carnegie Hall with the great Russian cellist uh, Mstislav Rostropovich. And um, he used to conduct the, the Washington Symphony, by the way, as you probably may, may recall, and a uh, great guy. And I sent out a message. I sat in the lobby of the Park Sheraton Hotel, New York, And I sent out a thought. If any of you guys from elsewhere are in the New York vicinity, would you please come and sit down beside me and prove it? Well, you know, people come and go in hotel lobbies. And after about, I don't know, 30, 35 minutes, this chap comes in. And there's something about him. immaculately dressed, about 5 foot 8, something like that, maybe 5 foot 9. Yes. Um, I would say... slightly tanned skin, fair wavy hair. He was absolutely immaculate. He looked at me, he came and sat down beside me. He took out an attache case from which he pulled the New York Times and he turned the pages over like every few seconds, very, very slowly and deliberately, then folded the newspaper, put it back in his attache case and, and closed the zip. So I thought, okay. Here we go. So in my mind, I said, right, if you're the guy I'm looking for, would you take your right index finger and hold it to the right side of your nose and keep it there? He did immediately. He did that immediately. And people then say, Tim, why don't you talk to these guys? Well, yes. I I, I just didn't feel it was appropriate somehow. But – that was it. I'd, I had I had my proof in a way that uh, there are people who can read your mind, and um, I've had you know a couple of other experiences. The last one was in Poland, um, about let me think, probably about eight eight years ago, I would say, in Wrocław, in in Poland. Yes, and I was the um, featured guest at a prestigious debating salon. It was called the the Professor Dudek's Salon in Vlotsvar. And uh, I'd never been invited to to such a prestigious event. And I I was the guest of honor and I had to give a presentation and then there would be questions from the audience. And there were about 80 people there from, they were mostly retired, I would say, military people. There were um, college professors, psychologists who were the first to vent their wrath at me after my presentation, but that's another story. <laughs> it was very funny. There were military guys there who, who 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 got so outraged by the psychologists that they stood up and, and I think one of them had his uniform on and they said, You don't know what you're talking about. We we, we guys have to chase these things. My colleague here and he had another pilot stood up and said you know i 've had these things on my on my wing and everything and it was very, very a lively debate. I had noticed throughout a very interesting looking person very similar uh, to the guy in some uh, that i'd seen back in nineteen sixty seven in new York similar olive skin he was a bit thinner he was also immaculately dressed. And I just thought there was something about him. I tried a bit of telepathy, there was no response. Anyway, um, he was the last person to give a short presentation. You weren't allowed to talk for, I think, more than about four or five minutes, something like that. It might might have been a little bit more, I'm not sure. But he was the last person to speak. The subject of his short speech was Earth's future in space. And so I thought, gosh, this has got to be interesting. I was absolutely fascinated by what he said. So I thought, I've got to talk to this guy. People say, Tim, why don't you talk to these guys? So after the whole thing had finished, he was the last uh, person giving a short presentation. He he came towards me. I put out my hand. He held it in a very cold way. He just looked at me, unblinking, and he would not. He did not say a word I just said to him I think you have a great deal of knowledge thank you for your presentation and everything There was absolutely not a flicker and then he walked away I think I gave him my business card but I've certainly not heard from him but the extraordinary thing is that um, I then met with my colleagues who were going home we none of us had had drinks at that point we certainly had them when we got back to to where I I was being put up in in a converted castle But everybody said, Gosh, that that was interesting, you know. And I said, Well, who who is that guy? And he said, Oh, he's often here. He's always got something very interesting to say. And and I said, Yes. What did he actually discuss? And they said, Oh, it was about Earth's future in space. I said, Yes. But what did he say? (laughs) Nobody in that room, well, maybe some, but nobody that I was aware of could remember what he had said. And I certainly hadn't a clue. It's gone. So I just wonder whether that was something that was projected into the minds of the audience subliminally. I do not know, but it was was slightly disturbing, I have to say. And the interesting thing is that the speaker, the guest of honor, is by contract supposed to get uh, an audio tape of the entire proceedings, supposed to get photographs because there were photographers there. Yes. Um, you're supposed to get this and that. I couldn't get a reply from anybody to do, or even Professor Dudeco, who had invited me. Nobody. I couldn't get any kind of response whatsoever. So um, that's really just about the end of the story.
0: Yeah, okay. Uh, Timothy, I'm going to join, you know, with the crowd that says, oh, come on, Timothy, why didn't you. Why didn't you take the opportunity to speak to them? Why didn't I did, you? I did. Wait? I
1: spoke to him. I, I, said, well, I, think you, I, I said, I think you have a great deal of knowledge. Right. But I could see he wasn't going to say a word. So, you know, I stayed dumb. <laughs> uh,
0: right. But, I mean, there could conceivably be so much more, you could ask, uh, and so many more tests you could run. I mean, if you successfully have a guy and you, you mentally project this to touch his nose, well, all right. A million questions. For example, Timothy, aren't you concerned that you really did not connect with somebody from somewhere else, but you do have a talent for projecting suggestions to people, uh, perhaps uh, uh, through telepathy? And so that doesn't necessarily mean they're from elsewhere. Or when you said, "If there's anyone from from elsewhere, please make yourself yeah. known." Now, yeah. I mean. Um, how do you know you're just not? I don't know. Projecting telepathy could be. And how could you not test it, it could further? Be, but like, but there's you know, just
1: something about these guys that I've encountered about their about their their sort of demeanor and the presence. There's something. There's just something different about uh, these people. For me. Where
0: anyway. Where are you from? How did you get here? Why are well, you here?
1: <laughs> You're right, but I, this chap didn't didn't say anything to me. I spoke to him very briefly, and I said, "I think you have a great deal of knowledge." He said absolutely nothing. No? As, I mean, I could have spoken to the guy in New York. I'm quite sure, but I didn't. I just didn't feel it was appropriate, and I just sat there and I thought, well, you know, he might say something to me, but he didn't either. So uh, there we are.
0: Okay, uh, it is what it is. Uh, hold tight. Gonna take a quick break here. Um, you can relax a little bit. Grab a cup of uh, whatever it is you like. Or a glass of whatever it is you like. And we'll come back and do more of this. It's Dark Matter. Next. My guest is Timothy Good, all the way from London, England. And uh, it's interesting. CG asked him for the best documented case he ever ran into, and he gave me a personal case that I can identify with. Now, I know, every time I see a really cute girl, I, too, have mental projections. Uh, but uh, they've never resulted in uh, even so much as a curtsy. Uh, Timothy, welcome back. Uh, so what you gave us, obviously, was a a personal uh a personal best as it were and you know what i get it if i had done that and people had responded that way i would also regard that as uh incredible stuff uh, but i i when you tell it to other people they're going to regard that as you know um oh come on yeah uh, and i'm sure you've had a lot of that right
1: well, let me tell you a little follow-up to that case from Poland um, eight years ago, <clears throat> which I think it was in Wrocław. People say, Tim, why don't you get some pictures of these guys? Why don't you talk to them? Well, as you know, I tried to talk to the guy, and he he didn't say a word. He just looked at me, round right. blinking eyes. But I did try and get a photograph in the break because he was he was actually sitting in like about ten feet away, twelve feet maybe at most away from me. Um, in, among the audience, and I got my camera. I started doing um, a sort of pan, panoramic uh, shots. I, mm-hmm. I needed to take I needed to take three shots because of, you know there was about eighty there were about eighty people there, and uh, this was this was during an interval. In, in, in fact, so there weren't that many people. So I thought, there's okay. this guy sitting there. I'll get a shot of him. As mm-hmm. I got to the area where he was sitting and just about to, to uh, press the shutter, a voice boomed out and said, the speaker's not allowed to take pictures. And uh-huh. I, I looked around. That was a disembodied voice. There was nobody to be seen who, who actually said that to me. So I sort of looked blankly around and said, oh, oh, I do apologize. <laughs> so there you are.
0: So you're a contactee.
1: Um, in a way, I suppose I am, yes, certainly not a regular one. These things happen like every, you know, maybe decades go by and nothing happens. But mm-hmm. uh, I have had a few encounters of the close kind.
0: Apparently so. Uh, now, if we move from that to the best documented case that didn't happen to you personally, um, where would we go?
1: Oh, my goodness me. <clears throat> there are so many art. I I don't know. Um, in many respects, it's it's a, a controversial choice. But I have to say, much as uh, George Adamski has been maligned,
3: mm-hmm.
1: in my new book, I, I'm trying to sort of improve his image, if you like, by pointing out that he was very serious-minded. He was very knowledgeable that he actually had a United States... Government ordinance pass which gave him access to all military bases not just throughout the united states but throughout the world. Furthermore he was consulted by kennedy um, i believe another president though i'm not sure who it was. He was also treated with great respect at the vatican on several occasions he had meetings with pope john the twenty third and uh, another meeting, I think, with one of the Pope, Pope uh, Pierce. I forget the the the, the, the number <laughs> after following his name, but uh, he he did have genuine encounters with aliens. Of that, I'm absolutely sure. And his photographs, I know quite a bit about photography. I have studied them very closely. All his photographs are genuine. The classic uh, flying sources ones from Flying Saucers Have Landed, which many
3: people—the
1: mm-hmm. first book for many people to read—and mm-hmm. he took pho- many. Most of his photographs were taken through, um, in some cases, a powerful telescope because he was an astronomer. He had a he had a telescope in his, you know, yes, um, in his um, where he lived in, in Palomar Terraces and. Uh, he got some great photographs, and the thing is that in my new book, a lot of the information uh, relating to Adamski has been vindicated by other people. Um, this is uh, the so-called Amachitia case, which is extremely controversial. I've devoted a, one long chapter to, to the Amachitia case, and um, it, I, I return to it in, in a later chapter.
0: Perhaps you uh, could describe it here.
1: Essentially, yes, certainly. This, this, this is something that went on for decades um, around the world, actually. A, a fish, meetings with, with aliens who collaborated with some of our scientists and the people from all walks of life. It went on for a very long time. And were it not for the fact that I met one of the people who was involved for 40 years, I I would have been extremely skeptical. But um, this was absolutely on the level. And the the amount of information that has been passed, including technological information, provided for me by Professor Stefano Breccia, who sadly died uh, a, a couple of years ago, I got to know him, and uh, my girlfriend and I visited him on two occasions in Italy, and we got a tremendous amount of information. Uh, he was a, a, a scientist, he'd, he'd uh, lectured at the, the Russian Academy of Sciences, and so, so on and so forth. And he had meetings with these people on a regular basis for, for nearly 40 years.
0: Well, all right, you, and- said, uh, you said he had a great deal of specific technical information. Yes. Can you hit can you hit a few high points of that I'm very interested oh in any Oh
1: my you put me on the spot there. Well, he, uh, if if I'll have to just have a look because technologically I don't understand a lot of it myself. I have to say, but there is certainly um, some information if I can just uh flick through my book here. Just to, mm-hmm. to get uh, some information
0: if you because a- anything technical is particularly well, it, it, fascinating it, 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 to me and well, I and many others exactly. even even if you don't get it
1: yeah um i'm just just have a look
0: here no no hurry um you know anything technical is just wonderful, and I yeah, would love sure. to hear it no, i I'm,
1: I'm there now um, let's just have a look here the, the type of What Stefano gave me... Let's talk about the the, the Adamski craft. Stefano Breccia told me that um, that much of what he learned attests to the validity of a number of Adamski's disputed claims and provides a great deal of new scientific and technical data. Um, For example, he reports that... um, The Adamski bell-type craft, the famous ones, which is about either, some people think it was about 27 feet, any measurements go up to 35 feet. Adamski's, the one with the three spheres underneath, the classic ones, um, are very similar to to those produced by um, a race that these people in Italy from all walks of life uh, were involved in with the Amicizia people. Um, And he He does there are actual diagrams of the craft showing similarities with some of these craft and Stefano told me that he went with a German engineer in one of these craft on one occasion, which was being monitored at all times by the aliens um, from their own craft and from their other techniques Highly technological instruments, which they were you're was,
0: saying he, he claimed to have actually gone on yes. to the craft
1: Stefano Breccia w- went on, was, w- went on this craft and which was flown by a German friend of his who had learnt it from from um, these aliens and they, they, they let us they taught us how to fly some of these craft, and they have even given us some of of these craft. I learned, for example, that uh, the Italian Air Force had there were ten pilots from the Italian Air Force who had flown these things. That was several years ago. I don't know what the situation is like today, but um, there's no question that a lot of this was was very real.
0: And and that's and a very I strong believe- statement to say there is no question that it, that it was real when you're talking about uh, aliens having given us uh, craft yes. and, and, and apparently an alien- and apparently trained us in in how to. Um,
1: That's correct, Uh, absolutely. Uh In the United States, since the 1950s, I was told, um, we have been given craft, and even some of our astronauts have flown these craft. Um, Gordon Cooper, who I knew, who was a a supporter of mine, I um, had the great privilege of... I never actually met him, but we corresponded and spoke. But um, he told... A friend of mine, who I trust implicitly, that he himself had flown some of these craft on on quite a number of occasions, and he that he was actually prepared back in 1978 to fly one of these craft and land it in front of the United Nations building in New York. If it ever if it ever came to want people wanting proof, now,
0: um, I, yeah, that that would be proof, all right. But um, I've interviewed Gordon; never a peep. Um, many years, many, many years ago I interviewed Gordon, and never a peep about that.
1: Right, well these guys keep their secrets, you know and, uh, but certainly he told someone that I know, obviously who I wouldn't, I wouldn't name, he, he, he gave a lot of information away
0: um, I, I, These are extraordinary claims and but, what is it that causes you to believe these to be true? I think,
1: well, I, I never, as I say, I never had had face-to-face um, conversations with, with Gordon Cooper, but I just, I, I just found him convincing the way the way he 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 dealt with people, other well, people yes. to, but, um, I do, but there's there's certainly no proof. I can't I can't prove it. But uh, and I'm sure that, as I say, I'm I'm told that other astronauts have been have been flying these craft. But it's not something I can. I'm in a position to prove. I wish I could.
0: I wish you could too. Um, you know, it does kind of get to extraordinary claims and extraordinary evidence and all yes. of that. Uh, it's very interesting. But boy, oh boy, oh boy. Uh, and here's somebody writing to me. John, uh, able to send me a message on the computer through Uh something we call the wormhole. He says, Roswell's aren't. Uh, I believe Timothy wrote in Above Top Secret that Neil Armstrong witnessed UFOs on the moon. Yes. Can you ask ask him about that? I wrote NASA, and they sent me a form letter of denial.
1: Well, let me tell you something. Um, I had a friend. She's deceased now, a very good friend, called Pamela Hanford. I've been able to name her. I I did allude to the case in Above Top Secret, but I've gone into much more detail in in my new book. And I've named her Pamela Hanford. She'd served with Britain's Secret Intelligence Service, better known as MI6. And I once asked about her background in that clandestine organization, and she said, bearing in mind that I'm still firmly bound by the Official Secrets Act, all I can tell you is that I trained with the School of Military Intelligence in those days at Mayersfield Park and did my parachute training with the London 21st. I was trained for the Russian front, learnt Russian and came under MI6's umbrella. Because of the sensitivity of the field work, I can tell you nothing more. Now, she was invited to a classified conference by NASA. This conference was held uh, at several venues in Italy in 1984, including um, the Europa Palace Hotel in Anna Capri. Now, some of the astronauts were staying there, and Pamela actually overheard a conversation. She was she was probably taping it, um, I guess, now, looking back on it. But she had a conversation in the next room because Neil Armstrong actually was in the bedroom next to hers and Buzz Aldrin was in the one beyond that. But she had this conversation with a Professor Herbert Schwartz with, um, with Armstrong, and I think she recorded it. And this professor... Schwartz said, what really happened out there with Apollo 11? He was asking Armstrong, Armstrong. It was incredible. Of course, we'd always known there was a possibility. The fact is, we were warned off. There was never any question of our building a space station or a moon city. And then Professor Schwartz says, well, how do you mean warned off?
0: That's what I would have asked
1: Right. Armstrong. I can't go into details except to say that their ships were far superior to ours, both in size and technology. Boy, were they big and menacing. No, there is no question of a space station. So he claimed. And then Schwartz says, but NASA had other missions after Apollo 11. Armstrong said, naturally, NASA was committed at that time and couldn't risk a panic on Earth. But it really was a quick trip and back again. Now, later that day, Pamela confronted Armstrong, who confirmed that the story was true, but refused to go into any further detail beyond admitting that the Central Intelligence Agency was behind the cover-up. But officially, of course, he, 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 denied, he denied everything. There were no objects reported found or seen on Apollo 11 or any other Apollo flight other than of natural origin, is what, is what uh, Armstrong told me.
0: Well, I I will say this, uh, Timothy, I have interviewed quite a large number of astronauts and, um, their interviews are always riveting and they're always puzzling. Uh, in one case, I spoke to an astronaut who could not remember what it was like to be on the moon. And, good lord, I found that to be, um, really puzzling uh yes good lord is is a way to put it but he was being absolutely honest and he said you know it's it i I said um edgar edgar mitchell um you know please give me a sense of how it felt how your emotions were what it felt like beneath your feet what you were thinking about as you looked at the landscape as you looked at the stars and realized you were standing on the moon he said art It's really strange. Um, I I can't give you that. I I can't give you that. And, you know, (laughs) Timothy, uh, that's just beyond all reason. How could you – it would be the high point of uh, certainly an astronaut's life to walk on the moon. Um, I guess you could be in some sort of state of shock perhaps. But, gosh – You would be making, or I would be making, I can only relate it to myself, um, really hard mental notes about everything I saw, touched, uh, felt, experienced. I would lock that in my memory for all time. Yeah. Sure. So to hear that Armstrong... Yeah. to, To hear that Armstrong who was a very quiet guy, I mean, he, he's had so little in public all these years, yep. actually said that they were warned off the moon by gigantic craft.
1: Yeah. That's what he <sighs> told my friend Pamela anyway. And Pamela also told me that the United States was in contact with a certain planet. She didn't give me what planet or anything, but they were having, they were having regular communications and meetings, and so forth.
0: God. Um, you mentioned uh, that somebody saw the Pope That's had George
1: audience, audience on, on audience several, had,
0: yeah. on, on several I occasions. Yes. With, okay, uh, uh, several. Uh, my, question, my, my question, Timothy, is, uh, did he have a conversation with the Pope about this subject, and if so, what did the Pope say? Do you know offhand?
1: Well, um, I, I can describe. There was one um, meeting he had, a private audience at the Vatican with the, the then ailing Pope John the Twenty Third. That was in 1963. Um, to deliver an important package, he said that he, he had been given to him by one of his alien contacts, and this was to be delivered to Pope John the Twenty Third. When he came out, this is what my friend Lou Zinstag, who accompanied him, of course she wasn't allowed into the Vatican, but she was with um, um, another friend, and she said that when George came out, he was grinning like a monkey. He said, I was received by the Pope, he gave me his blessing, and I gave him the message. Um, And uh, he told my friend, that the Pope was not lying in the room above St. Peter's Square as the people had been told, but that his bedroom faced the most beautiful part of the Vatican Garden. Mm-hmm. And um, Adamski thought, if you ask me, the Pope is hardly a dying man. They haven't yet tried to operate on him, but I'm sure that's what they will do soon. Um, anyway, he, the, the poor Pope John died a, a, a few days later.
0: But um, Do you know the nature of the message that he delivered?
1: No. Adamski never gave that away. And what what, um, what the Pope said was, my son, this is what I have been waiting for. And then he spoke privately uh, in a very low and soft voice for a few minutes to Adamski. Um, And I think his last words to Adamski were, my son, don't worry, we will make it. And then Adamski was um, ushered out. And uh, Pope John died two days later, apparently.
0: Oh, uh, what a story. Um, Okay, Uh, you're just sort of blowing me away here with all kinds of things (laughs) that I had not heard uh, previously, and uh, don't we wish we knew the nature of that message?
1: Yes, indeed. I think that the Vatican has a very good intelligence service, and and I think they're very well informed about this subject. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think uh, one can say the same for the the Church of England, um, the, the Protestant uh, Church of England over, <laughs> over in the United Kingdom. I don't think there's there's, there's very little interest.
0: Timothy, there are, there have been some, I believe, bishops uh, who have made some amazing statements in recent years yes. uh, from from the Vatican, right? Yes. Uh, do you know the nature of them?
1: Well. Um, Well, for example, in in 2008, Pope Benedict, the, I think it's the 15th, I can't read here actually, sorry, it's Pope Benedict, Pope Benedict let it be known that there is no conflict between believing in God and in the possibility of extraterrestrial brothers, perhaps more evolved than humans. Mm -hmm. And, um,. Also, in an interview with the Vatican's official newspaper, Father Jose Funes, a Jesuit, then in charge of the Vatican's observatory, who's an expert on galaxies, said, Astronomers believe that the universe is formed of hundreds of millions of galaxies, and in these are hundreds of millions of stars. Many of these, or all of them, could contain planets. So how can we exclude that developed life cannot be elsewhere? It's possible to believe in God and extraterrestrials without bringing into question our own faith. So I think that you know that's that's quite interesting.
0: Um, It is. I I know the Vatican has a number of telescopes, Timothy.
1: Yes, Uh, out in in Arizona, I think. uh, For
0: one, yes. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, I think it's a reasonable question to ask what the Vatican's expectation is. Uh, that drove them to to build such a large telescope. Well, what are, what are they looking the for? In other words,
1: I, I don't know. I, I, I assume that, that, that there's a genuine interest in, in astronomy and what the heavens contain. Um, uh, there always has been, um, I believe. Um, certainly, tremendous interest in the in the Vatican, but uh, beyond that, I, I I don't know. But I think there's a lot of knowledge. In the Vatican, which uh, is 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 not the case, uh, certainly in my country.
0: In well, the, I I guess I'm wondering the if they have uh, knowledge of something they should be looking for.
1: Um, I don't know. I can't I can't help you with that.
0: All right. Well, I don't know is a fine answer if you really don't know. Uh, Timothy Good is my guest. And I guess we're talking about alien contact, eh? I've been just as Timothy Good with some amazing stuff. Absolutely amazing. Um, and uh, here he is uh, once again. Timothy, uh, you're back on the air again. And uh, there are many doubters out there with regard to what you're saying. You can imagine. Good. Uh, I I did get this, though, from Raymond. The Apollo 11 crew did see and admit publicly to seeing an unknown object on their flight to the moon. Apollo 12 encountered it as well, and they took uh, a picture that was released to the public. I met Neil Neil Armstrong, and he said it was an unknown, not alien. Fair enough. Okay. I know
1: Buzz Aldrin thought it was uh, certainly very unknown because <laughs> he, he, he's, 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 he's written about
0: that. Okay. Um, it may be your approach, uh, Timothy, but um, here's another one. This is from Lone Voice, whoever that is. Uh, good evening, uh, our Timothy Good is making me sad. He sounds unwell. Uh, as for his appearance tonight, I began with an open mind now. It seems he has nothing but hearsay that he trusts implicitly, therefore it must be true. Sad. So, um, with what you've said, I do personally understand, Timothy, that if you had experienced the things you did personally, to you, they would be as true as true can be, and you've pe- not done nothing but pass it along, and, and that's fine. But some of these other things about, you know, craft being given to, um, uh, to us and, uh, uh, being flown by astronauts and and so forth and so on, uh, I guess people are disappointed at the claims and then not so much to support them
1: well <laughs> i I certainly can 't prove i I certainly can 't prove it but i 've just been informed by reliable sources as i mentioned um, a friend of uh, a very close friend of of Gordon Cooper told me that that he mm-hmm. and cooper had himself Flown the craft, and that, that uh, many of his colleagues have flown these craft. I can't prove that. And um, uh, as far as no the, voice is concerned, I'm 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 very well. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's, a, it's a little early in the morning here. <laughs> maybe uh, that. That's right. maybe that's,
0: I guess you're about eight hours ahead of us, right?
1: Um, are you, in yeah, you in D.C.? You uh, in D.C.? No,
0: no, heavens, heavens no. Where are you? Uh, my I board operator is in, some point. yeah, he, well, yeah, my board operator is in D.C. I'm in the state of Nevada near Las Vegas. Oh,
1: my goodness me, you're about uh, eight hours away. Yeah,
0: I would say. Yes, about eight yeah. hours.
1: Mm-hmm. Great. Area 51, Nevada.
0: Um, actually, it's just over the hill from me, Timothy. <laughs> Good. Literally. Over the hill, I, I can look at the hill that divides uh, myself from Area 51.
1: Uh-huh. And, uh
0: huh. And when I take the back way to go to Las Vegas, I can pass uh, very near it. So, or I can drive right to the mailbox. I mean, I'm that close. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll I'm as close that. as anybody you'll talk to. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, okay, let's let's attempt a gear shift here. Um. If I ask you for the best documented case uh, that, that you know of um, that doesn't cite third parties and doesn't uh, involve personal experience, then where would you go? Uh, and now I'm talking about quality of photographs and or artifacts or something that is is verifiable. Hmm. Or or do we never get there? Is there nothing that you would personally consider to be? And and I'm not asking here for absolute ironclad evidence. Just you know what you consider to be the best in terms of backup. You know pictures and or. I, well, I know many problem. about stories.
1: Yeah, that's that's the problem. I mean, I, I've 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 known people who've had close encounters with, with landed craft and so forth, but uh, they weren't uh, they, they didn't get any pictures of them or anything. Mm. So it's frustrating in that respect. But certainly, um, Adamski has had had plenty of, of photographic evidence and and film evidence. Uh, yes. For example, uh, one which is sometimes overlooked, but I have I have written about it in in, in, in my books before. But in um, there's a description of the visit in 1965 of a craft to, to where my friend Madeline Rodifer was staying at the time that Adamski just you know was it, it was like a few weeks before he died. She was looking mm-hmm. after him, right. and uh, uh, he actually she, uh, filmed a craft in full view of my friend Madeline, a craft that came right over the the, the front lawn, the front yard um, of their house in, in Silver Spring, Maryland. And it was there for for quite some time, and terrific movie film was taken, and I've I've reproduced clips in my my books of that and everything. And the craft was about 27 feet in diameter, according to um, a scientist who evaluated uh, the films, and took George Adamski with the film to the Eastman Kodak Company in Rochester, uh, New York State, and they were almost impressed by, by the film. Um, I've, 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 I've got copies of the film. I've, I've reproduced um, pictures of the craft showing how the, 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 the propulsion system produces a distortion process around it, and I find mm-hmm. that very convincing. Now, let me tell you that eventually the craft went away, of course, and the film was evaluated by, by um, an optical physicist called Bill Sherwood, and as I say, Adamski was taken up um, with the film to Rochester, where where these scientists were, were most impressed by by it. But in 1998, I was invited to the Pentagon, uh, the, the Defense Airborne Reconnaissance Office, which you mm-hmm. which you cited uh, in in my introduction. And I, it was only a half hour visit, and I expected a one to one with um, with the general in charge of the Defense Airborne Reconnaissance Office, General Kenneth Israel. And uh, when I got there, there were about, I guess, 25 people in the room. Nearly all of them were, were young people from various services. They, some of them didn't look more than 17, 18, um, from Army, Navy, Air Force. And they were all very attentive. And I I thought, well, goodness me, you know, I'm not here to give a presentation. But um, Mm -hmm. I was asked to by General Israel. And he'd first of all shown me, he said, Timothy, this is what I do. And he showed me pictures of drones flying here, there and everywhere. And because that's the Defense Airborne Reconnaissance Office, which handles the unmanned spy planes. And he says, now you tell us what you do. And so um, I, I, I talked about that film I said, well, you know, there's a case downtown, um, outside of Washington, downtown uh, in Silver Spring, Maryland. And uh, he said, Timothy, uh, he, he didn't say this to everybody, but he said to me, sort of privately, he said, I think you'll find that that film is absolutely genuine.
0: All right. Um, you, know, said that you said the um, Domsky case was
1: uh, certainly 100%. one of the best certainly one of the best in terms of the best. Of but
0: you also said controversial, right? Of course. And I mean, what, he, And what is controversial about it? Uh, he, you've given me some pretty good stuff here about the film. In other words, well,
1: he, claimed, for, he claimed, for example, to have met Venusians and Martians and, 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 and stuff like that. But I think he was certainly very sincere, and I knew a lot of people who knew him well, and since I myself had encounters with people similar to those he described, who were obviously highly telepathic, it, it, it kind of reinforces my my um, belief, if you like, beliefs not not the best um, word to use, but uh, that 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 is the case. I can't, I, I certainly can't
0: prove it. No, I understand, uh, but even you should be given pause when he claims to have met with Martians. Now. We are pretty familiar with the current state of Mars. Well, uh, and yeah, yes, go ahead. yes,
1: but uh, we, we not everything is, is is revealed. I mean, it's quite possible that that uh, you know there are bases on Mars which are, are used um, not just by by aliens but by our own people. You know, United. St- I don't know how, how aware you are of the activities of U.S. Air Force Space Command but uh, there's a lot of information that they have had their own shuttle fleet for decades operating from an island in the Pacific Ocean and there's a lot I've of...
0: heard this I've actually heard this um yeah. that we have a complete secret space program
1: Yes and this this information came to me from Paul La Violette, an excellent prog- uh, excellent book.
0: Ah uh, yes, a
3: book, a
1: indeed. I don't the title of it, but I've cited i cited it in my book, and um, I've met the guy, and he's, he's he's very very convincing, and he says that you know there have been regular shuttle flights by Air for U.S. Air Force Space Command t- t- to Mars, so you know not everything we're told is 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 is, is true.
3: Um, uh, and I
1: think, I, I believe, I believe, I believe Paul LaViolette and the information that he's acquired over, over years.
0: Oh, okay. Um, so you believe that we have bases on Mars. What about yep. the moon? Same. Yeah, okay. We have bases we'll on the moon as well. Sure. Um, wouldn't if, if we did have such a thing, and if we had a secret space fleet, and I've, I've considered this because I've been told this by many, including, by the way, Richard C. Hoagland. Mm-hmm. I think he he has that belief, and um, I, I would ask a lot of, I guess, impertinent questions, like, well, we've got a lot of amateur astronomers. Uh, surely they would have noticed. Craft on the way to the moon and Mars and such, uh, coming and going. That that would be something somebody would catch.
1: Well, Adamski certainly did. He was the first to catch them since you know, like nineteen forty nine. He started uh, taking films through his telescope, and some of his photographs are absolutely superb, showing some of the giant mother 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 craft, and as well as some of the smaller craft.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, you said his film was examined by who? Eastman Kodak in Rochester. Eastman Kodak. Um, and that really was back when we had film, so... Yeah, old 8mm uh, film.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's uh, what and, the film was
0: taken Okay, fine. Uh, the Eastman Kodak... I'm presuming they made some sort of report, uh, uh, you know, attesting to the validity of the, of the photographs?
1: Well, if they did, I, I'm not aware of it, but uh, certainly... I know that a lot of investigations were made at the time. Um, You know, as as to a report from Eastman Kodak that's been published, I'm I'm not aware of it. I would have heard about it, I'm sure. All
0: right. I'm I'm sure you would have, yes. Um, Maybe
1: they consider it too sensitive or too embarrassing to talk. I mean, I I, I don't know. Right. I could file Um, a Freedom of Information Act request, I suppose. Which I, last, which I last did with, with NASA um, a couple of years ago which was quite amusing um, <clears throat> under the freedom of information I, I, I asked about this, that confidential that, that classified conference that took place in Italy which I, 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 I referenced uh, a while back if you remember my friend Pamela Hanford was there and there was Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin and, and German professor Professor Schwartz, lots of lots of other people it was a classified conference I, I, I filed a Freedom of Information foil request to NASA, and they said no such conference took place. And you know, a friend of mine <laughs> gave a presentation there, so that's nonsense. So clearly, they're lying about stuff. And then, quite casually, my my partner, my girlfriend, uh, just Googled the conference, and there's details, there's some details of it on actually online, so it's actually nonsense what, what uh, that, you know, it's just ridiculous filing a Freedom of Information Act to, to find out that they say it never happened, it, it didn't take place, but uh, there, is, there is strong evidence that it certainly did.
0: Well, I guess you've got to try. Yeah. Um, now, you're also claiming um, a big technological transfer from alien beings to human beings but they have given us a great deal of technical information
1: no question uh, about it
0: do you know of what sort?
1: well um, I can give you one example There's a guy called Carl Anderson who um, there's a chapter, I think it's chapter seven uh, in uh-huh. 1954 he was with his family and relatives who they witnessed the landing of a disc-shaped craft on two occasions in the Mojave Desert And several of the witnesses signed sworn affidavits testifying to these events and I've I've reproduced one of those. And a few years later, Carl Anderson claimed to have been taken up in a craft and given instructions relating to alien propulsion technology, which he was asked to pass on to some distinguished scientists, for example, Professor Herman Oberth, who I met in person by the way, I went to his home and Dr. Werner von Braun. Thus began a transfer of alien technology to our Earth scientists. So that has been going on for a very long time, and we have, we have the technology, and many, as I say, many US Air Force pilots have been flying these things since the 1950s. These craft have been given us. Now you might ask, why on Earth would they give us such advanced technology? The reason is simple. Earth is absolutely of prime importance in this neck of the woods, obviously not in the galaxy. It's, it's certainly not unique in the galaxy, but in this neck of the woods, it's unique. And others have vested interests
0: in can you tell the me why of this planet. Can you, can, can, you ask, can you tell me why we are that important? because they say it's
1: unique in this neck of the woods, and they have a vested interest in it. And furthermore, there is a serious threat from other races to this planet. There is a, a conflict situation which has been going on maybe for thousands of years. I don't know. But some aliens have been based here for, for millennia, in my opinion. Um, and they say that there is a threat to earth and that it is the greatest threat is posed by some races who want to take over. And I've gone into a lot of detail about that. Um, we're talking about the the, yes. the guys who, the critters mostly, I'm told, who are involved in, in the so-called uh, abductions. And um, the purpose of the abductions is to create a hybridized race which will be more suitable to adapt to planet Earth. So there is a takeover bid, or was. I do not know what the situation is like now, but that is what that is what I have learned. And it seems, you know, these things are likely, after all. We, we you know, we we plan to go to Mars. I, I said plan, you know. <laughs> we're already there, as, as, as mm-hmm. the U.S. Air Force Space Command uh, is alleged to be there. So... so
0: our- right. you, 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 you said uh, there was a conflict uh, essentially a conflict going on over us because of our special something. Now, do you know what races or um, beings are involved in this conflict and why?
1: Well, uh, the beings that are involved um, are the so-called, bu- some of the bug-eyed beings. I mean, there are different varieties of these small these smaller critters, that's for sure. But... Um, I think it, it, that what I've been told is that uh, these creatures have or had a long-term plan to create a race of alien-human uh, hybrids, purportedly to make us more peaceful. Their true purpose, mm-hmm. however, I have been told by a Washington source, is to create a passive human race incapable of violence by eradicating the human emotions that enable us to survive, thus laying us open to conquest. Now, as I say, you know, if this has been a long-term stratagem, I've yet to see much evidence of the human race becoming less violent.
0: I was about to suggest exactly the same thing, and I have only to read tonight's news here in the U.S., to absolutely confirm yeah. uh, uh, that fact. Uh, if that's what they're trying to do, it's not working.
1: No, well, I hope not. But um, I'm told that a number of their bases were guarded or are guarded by elements of the United States military, and uh, that a select cell within the Army worked with other security cells in Air Force and Navy. And around uh, 100 personnel from the Air Force Office of Special Investigations, AFOSI, were involved.
0: Did he, I, you just said we are guarding their bases here, yes?
1: Uh, some of the aliens are, are, are guarding our bases, that's for sure, yes.
0: Oh, guarding our uh,
1: bases? they guarding yeah, there's, our bases. There's a, there's a, there, yeah.
0: Wait a minute. Some of our bases. Right, but, let's get this straight. Are, uh, If you are, don't mind. Hold on a sec. Let's get this straight. Who's guarding whose bases?
1: I've been told that some of our own military are, are guarding alien bases to a certain extent. And I don't okay. know if that that was going that was going on years ago. I do not know if that is still happening. I have no idea what's going on right now.
0: Did anybody ever mention where any of these bases were located? No. I see.
1: But okay. as I say they, they were this was this was this was part of what was called Project Aquarius, allegedly, and a number of these bases were guarded by elements of the U.S. military from Project um, and uh, Aquarius. Also, Air Force Office of Special Investigations were involved. Well, they they deal um, more or less full time with the UFO situation, as you as you probably know. Mm-hmm. And uh, when, when I had that meeting at the Defense Airborne Reconnaissance Office with General Israel, he, he confirmed for me that Afozy was involved in investigations since the phenomenon seemed to him to be more of a policing problem rather than one affecting national security, which is an interesting comment.
0: Yes, it is. Uh, Adamski uh, referred to one craft 3,000 feet in length. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. I believe so. There are these alleged huge motherships, absolutely huge.
0: Uh, One would think that uh, they would be absolutely spotted and photographed. I mean, they're so big um, that if they were actually hovering within Earth's envelope atmosphere, uh, they would be... Really, photographed a lot.
1: Well, there it. are there are um, quite a number of photographs um, not taken not just by Adamski, but of, of others of these close-ups of, of of some of these these huge craft. Which mm-hmm. um, there are there, there are photographs which are available.
0: But Adam- everybody always asks uh, why they um, show up in all of these remote places and uh, don't fly over major major cities in the world, uh, London, New York. LA.
1: <laughs> well, the, the thing is they do, but it's 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 rare, I have to say. Um, for example, in 1955, in a suburb of London, this was in July 1955, there was a heat wave at, t- at the time. Um, two flying saucers landed in Bexley Heath. A suburb of London, and a friend of mine was one of the witnesses. Uh, Margaret Fry, she's she's still alive to this day, a very good UFO researcher, and uh, she saw this thing. She was travelling with her doctor uh, to take one of her sons to to the hospital, and uh, to, to the sorry to the doctor's uh, surgery, and suddenly the car engine conked out, and. The car drew to a halt, and this craft landed like about 20 feet away from them, and it was about 30 feet in diameter. Nobody got out of it, and um, <clears throat> I reproduced a sketch done by, by Margaret Fry of, of that craft. And a few days earlier, in another part of that, of that town, which is part of the greater London area, um, um, another craft landed, slightly different shape and and there were over a hundred witnesses. And the Ministry of Defence um tried to confiscate um all sorts of information from people about it and asked people not to talk about it. It was in, in the interest of national security to talk about it and uh, so it was it was it was sort of kept it was dampened down for years until Margaret and some other people came forward and um, I've spoken to several of the witnesses, and I'm convinced it's, it's very, very credible. And uh, these things have landed um, in, in other countries, many other countries as well.
0: Timothy, uh, somebody who names himself Cardio Panic, interesting name, apparently <laughs> wants to uh, test his heart and is asking you where we can see film or uh, pictures uh, that you were talking about, Adamski pictures. Uh, surely they're on the web somewhere from Canada.
1: Uh, well I, I, I've 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 got a few in my new book including one that's very seldom reproduced, which is a, a close-up through a telescope Adamski took of one of these bell-shaped craft. And often that picture isn't fully reproduced. I have reproduced the entire picture, which, which gives a, a better perspective of the whole thing. So that's in the new book. But other pictures are I, I've published um, of quite a lot of the Adamski pictures in previous books, uh, like Beyond Top Secret, um, Above Top Secret, and, 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 um, and some other books.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, what we're going to do here is take a, a brief uh, pause and pick up on this. You might consider whether there's anywhere on the web that we can find these things. Uh, just take a quick look. I'm sure the Adamski photographs are there somewhere. From the high desert and the great American Southwest, this is Dark Matter. All right. Uh, Timothy Good is my guest. Um and uh, here's a question that comes in for you, uh, Timothy, from uh, Rich of uh, Pennsylvania. He says, incredibly speculative. Instead of only referencing evidence of others, some pictures or actual evidence would be great. We are unique, and there is a conflict over us, but why and who? Um, so let me reference the first, um, the Adamski pictures. Are they available on the uh, the web as well? Do you know?
1: You know, I've never, I've never looked Art. I see. I've never, I've, I've never looked at because I've got, I've, you know, I've got them all, including some in, original in prints. So, yeah.
0: Right. Well, listen, uh, it has been quite an evening, and uh, and I want to, I want to thank you for being on. We're going to m- cut it a little short here, uh, but again, I want to thank you for for being on and joining us tonight.
1: It's my pleasure, Art. Thank you very all much.
0: All right. Take care, and I, I hope the weather treats you well in London. Uh, and, uh, uh, once again, thank you for being on the program. And that's kind of where I'm going to hold it right now. And what we're going to do is open lines. <laughs> so, uh, in back there in DC, uh, Evan, open the lines right now. That's by the way, the name of my, um, a board up in Washington, DC, his name is Evan. And uh, now, uh, Evan is going to answer the phone and probably ask you your name and where you're calling from. Uh, But that's all. And I would like to specify the reason we're doing that is because that will avoid the painful, is it me, question. Uh, I do understand that when you get on the air, it is difficult to know that you're the one we have many many lines attached to all but one number and that number by the way is 855 real ufo 855 real ufo on your phone or 855 732 5836 we are going to do unscreened um calls now you might say oh that is screening only so that we can avoid that they're not going to uh a toss you for uh, one reason or any reason. They're simply going to ask you your name and or perhaps uh, where you're located. And after that is done, you're going to be on with whatever you want to talk about. So you're not going to get rejected for any reason. Uh, I want to specify it is open lines. And I would be interested in your reaction to Timothy Good, among other things. There are a very great deal we can talk about tonight, but I'm going to ask your uh, reaction to Timothy, and mine was, you know what, I'm not going to give you my reaction, how about that, I'm going to allow you to state your reaction, and and eventually, I'm I'm sure you'll, if you don't already know what it is, um, you'll get mine, I, um, see, how can I? You know what? I'm not going to put it at all. I'm simply going to allow you to react to what you heard, and uh, we'll go from there. How's that? Uh, Let us begin in New York with Pete. You're on the air, Pete. Hi.
4: Hi, Art. Am I getting any noise on my signal tonight?
0: A little bit, but it's not bad. I'll put up with it.
5: If I take it off speakerphone, we take it off speakerphone. Maybe, if I oh, try never! Call the other okay,
0: night, everybody, n- never, ever call on a speakerphone.
4: Never. never, <laughs> I never. did that the other night. I should have uh-huh. uh, should have been on my transmitter and talked me on AM. I probably would have done a lot better. But uh-huh. right, anyways, uh, very interesting with the you know with the uh, uh, the call or the your guest tonight, and um, I'm going to kind of not really go off subject, but. Uh, in regards to UFOs and such, um, uh, there's an area in New York up in the on the Tug Hill area called Happy Valley. Are you familiar with that at all? I am not. Okay, because there's been a lot, I guess, some activity up there with UFOs. There's been people up there recording different things, and there's been, like, ghostly activity up there that they really claim is, uh, you know, happening there.
0: Are you talking about uh, something that's current happening now?
4: Well, with the, over the if you Google it, over the past you know several years, there's been different issues, or not issues, but you know sightings and, and uh, claims that have been going on up there.
0: Okay, are there any photographs to go with the claims?
4: Is there any? I'm sorry. Is there any sort of what?
0: Are there any photographs to go with the claims?
4: Uh, there there's some video in there that I've I, you know, like YouTube videos and stuff that people have recorded, but I, I didn't. I personally didn't see a lot in there, but they make it sound like it's like well known.
0: All right, when I said, is it contemporary, I meant, you know, the last several weeks, several months, what are we talking about?
4: I'm I'm speaking probably within the last maybe 10 years, within 10 years.
0: Okay, so last decade. Um, Yeah. One would imagine in that span of time, if there was a great deal of activity, that um, there would have been some photographs to go with. Yeah, right. You know, we we live in such a different uh, age now, Mm -hmm. and uh, I guess the age we live in, Demands proof beyond, you know. A friend told me. Exactly. Kind
4: of exactly. Yeah, I do understand that. Just, you know, I really try to, you know, investigate as much as I can. But you can, as far as what I can find on that, it's, uh, anything. It's the only thing. I'm things I'm finding are, you know, internet sources and
0: and right. you know how that works. Right. I I do. Uh, I do indeed. All right. Well, listen. Thank you very much. I, I the last thing in the world that I wanted to be was rude to Timothy Good because he's got. it. Uh, in ufology, quite a reputation. But um, we do live in a different age now, right? Uh, An age where some level of uh, first person um, is required for extraordinary claims and if not first person, then uh, some evidence to go along with. And Now, uh, the Adamski story, for example, I, I know there are a lot of Uh, older photographs associated with it, and the fact that uh, Kodak examined them certainly is interesting, but again, we ran into a situation where the only evidence we had uh, was somebody's word that they had heard that Kodak had looked at them, uh, that sort of thing. So, there you have it. Uh, Utah brings Mike. Mike, uh, welcome to Open Lines.
6: Mega Roswell, Zark.
0: Thank you. And might
6: I say, you're the cure, you're you're the anecdote for five-hour energy <laughs> for us dr- drivers out here on the highway. I really appreciate
0: it. Uh, you're very welcome.
6: I just want to tell you, I've seen a UFO with my own eyes, too, Art, and it's changed my life the whole time I was a young man when I seen it, but I've never, ever forgot it. But when we first saw it, we thought it was a piece of newspaper that flew out of somebody's chimney flying around but from the distance. We was coming back from dinner up there in Sandy, Utah, and we stood out there and watched it for 10 minutes. And you wanted to think it was a, a balloon or something like that, but it, it made no sound other than a whooshing sound, like like blowing air. And, mm-hmm. and there was flame underneath it and the whole bit, just just like hovering. We thought it was a hot air balloon got got away from somebody. But anyway... As we was watching it, my dad went in to get a camera, and he come back out. And as soon as he hit the door, that thing took off across the sky towards what we call the point of the mountain where the prison is, and it was gone like in a split second. I, I do, I,
0: right. I clicked. do understand. Um, that's uh, that's something. Now, did it? You you described it at one point as uh, maybe a newspaper floating. <laughs>
6: yeah, did when we get, thought, well, we was like several miles away, we thought. Somebody back then they had the fireplaces, you know, that you still burn in the wall. And we
0: oh, I understand. No, what I'm place. asking is, did it did it get any closer to you than that?
6: No, it just hovered above, right above our subdivision. There, right above our street, basically. And so when, it, I ch- when I was a when I was young man too, we also saw a balloon that got away from a road show or something they was doing, you know, one of them that they'd give you rides in it you know, with a rope and it broke loose, and that's what it reminded me of, and there was people in it when that when that broke loose, and it finally crash landed somewhere several miles away, but when we saw it, we thought that's what it was, you, your mind kept wanting to tell you it was a helicopter or something like that, but as it turned out, it, whatever it was, it was supersonic, I mean, it took off and it was gone. Just hovering right. above the, the
0: subdivision. Yep, that's the kind of thing. Uh, thank you very much. That will convince you. Um, newspapers don't take off supersonically, and there is a, a division uh, now in the world, and it's between those who have seen personally these things and those who have not. And I do truly understand uh, the the doubt of those who have not seen there's nothing like seeing with your own eyes it just it changes you and you will always remain thusly changed but if you haven't seen it and you're only hearing descriptions or uh, worse yet my best friend uh, talked to somebody who saw you know it's just it's it's not enough it's not convincing uh, in in any way, uh, and maybe it is that we live now in a different, uh, more modern age. I I don't know. Um, let's go to California and uh, Gordon. I believe it is Gordon.
7: Yes. Hello. I'm Hi. Glad to have reached you. Uh, I got a couple of things. One is something that I saw personally, and this was about oh, 30 years ago when I was a kid, but. um It looked like a meteor streaking across the sky, and I thought, wow, that's really cool. And then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden it made a right angle. I said, okay, (laughs) meteors do not do that. Yes. But, you know, it was so far away, it was just like a streak of light. But I have uh, an opinion that I would like to throw out there. A lot, you hear a lot of people saying, okay, if we do have aliens coming here, why? Why would they come to this little blue dot in the middle of... The
0: galaxy. You know, that's that's really what I wanted to ask uh Timothy, uh, but he, uh, he didn't have an answer for it. If they're fighting over us, if we are in some way special, I would really, really love to know what that is.
7: Yeah. I'll, I
8: I have an opinion.
7: Uh have you ever read or heard of a book called the Eurancha Book? Yes. Okay. Then, it, it, have, are you have you read it? Or are you familiar with it? I am. Yes. Okay. Could it be possible that they're coming here because of what they call the world of the cross?
0: Oh, you want to explain that?
7: Um, okay. According to the Uric, um who we call Jesus Christ, the, the book calls Christ. Michael is the star. Talk- for our local universe, and he served his last sojourn, his seventh sojourn um,
0: okay we're we're starting to lose you
7: okay uh he um anyway he he's the sovereign supposedly of our universe, yet he served uh he became human to experience being human on earth, mm-hmm. and these other worlds apparently are aware of that. And could they be coming here because we are what they call the world of the cross, where Christ died?
0: All right, I I can't deny that any of that could be. Um, I have talked to people, for example, like John Lear. And John gets pretty far out there uh, in his description of human beings as containers and that the fight is over our collective souls. And um and he John told quite a reasonable story. I mean, out there, but in terms of uh believability, uh he actually came forth with an explanation that it is a fight over our souls and one might imagine that to be true. What do you think? That that that's the special something about us. Oklahoma brings Stu. Hello, Stu.
9: Yes, sir.
10: Uh I was calling about uh uh this Mr. Bell?
0: That would
6: be me.
10: Oh, uh uh sevens and threes to you, uh, Minnie Roswells. Uh I've got a I've got a question about uh if if we'll ever get to hear a guest uh talk about like number stations on shortwave uh
0: have uh, you seen the movie?
10: No, I have not. I I that's what I was kind of prefacing it to because I, I hear there's a new mu- movie coming out.
0: Oh it's already out. Uh it's called Hello. The Numbers. Yes, it's called The Numbers Station. It's actually quite good. Um I watched it I think a couple of weeks ago and uh it's it's very well done. Uh, are you familiar with Numbers Stations? Uh yes
10: sir. Well, as far as UVB76 and uh the the others out of China, but uh not any stateside uh ones, no sir.
0: Well, um, okay. There, there are on shortwave, folks, for real, number stations. I should have, um, I should have recorded one of them and I will record one of them. Uh, you will encounter them on virtually any frequency on the shortwave band. And when you do, you will hear something, you will hear a young lady normally simply sitting there reading something like this. 9, 17, 24, 99, 97, and it just goes on and on and on. And it is a popular belief that these are spy stations, that uh, these codes are given out to uh, bring specific instructions. To agents around the world in foreign countries, and that's of course the premise of the movie called The Numbers Stations. It's kind of interesting. It's uh, frankly, when I watched the movie, I my expectations were not very high, and uh, they were exceeded. It was quite good. It's a, a good drama, and in real life, number stations are quite interesting. Let's go to Georgia and Chris.
7: Um. Regarding uh, what the uh, previous caller was talking about, uh, maybe why aliens visit us, maybe they know that we're as unique as they are.
4: Maybe it's just us and them.
0: I think if there is anything unique about us, it's going to be our souls. And that's that's where I kind of agree with, with John Lear. I mean, otherwise, we're interesting. We're an evolved life form, at least to some degree, right? Some more than others, I would add. Uh, well, when, but when if, we, if, if there's a reason to be interested in us, it's it's got to be something more than we understand presently, I would think.
11: Right.
4: Well, listen, it's a pleasure to talk to you, and it was only a couple of years ago when I said to myself, I wish I had a chance to talk to Art Bell. And <laughs> now I get that chance again. But anyway, <clears throat> I'm in my mid-40s, and I wanted to... Um, Tell you about something that happened to me when I was younger, and it was real profound. It may not sound profound with my explanation, but it was you know a pretty big deal uh looking back on it but um when I was a teenager, um I worked at a uh local dairy queen in a small town, and I was a new kid in town and um after work at night. Yeah, the other kids, they just wanted to take me out and show me around. And they took me up to this uh, mountain. It was kind of in the country and in the hills. So we went up to, they were country folk. And we went up into this mountain and uh, they said, oh, there's this cave up there. It's a haunted cave. <clears throat> so uh, some other kids from work, it was some guys and some girls. We go up into that uh, cave into the mountain. And there's this one particular girl that I was, you know, playing around with and teasing at work all the time. And. Yeah. She was with the group, and when we were walking into the cave, there was this little nook or like a you know place where I could kind of dip into like this hole and crevice and hide. And I figured, well, on our way out, I'm going to stick in, I'm going to dip into this crevice, hide, and I'm going to scare this girl coming out. Mm -hmm. And um, so I get into this crevice and I'm about to jump out and scare this girl, and I was so excited I couldn't contain myself. But just as I'm about to jump out. I feel this hand come up onto my chest and physically push me back up against the wall of that cave, uh-huh. and I and I kind of went into this sort of hard to breathe, kind of like a trance like state,
3: mm-hmm. but
4: I couldn't do anything, and it was literally like a physical hand pushing me up against the wall. So the kids milled by, and
0: were you I, still plastered? Were you still plastered up against the wall as the girl came by? Well, yeah, I was.
4: And, uh, you know, and what happened was just such a shock to me. I really kind of just forgot about what was going on. And they milled by, and, you know, I just, I, kinda, I came out of it, and the feeling went away, and I followed everybody else out of the cave. And we get out of the cave, and everybody was going, Oh, that was pretty cool. And the girls naturally going, Well, I was so scared. That was creepy. Well, the girl that I was going to jump out and grab, she's, he jumps up and says, "Well, I wasn't scared of anything. I was ready for it." And she she was holding a thirty eight caliber revolver. Oh, in her hand. Oh, and I'm just wondering, you know, what was that? I mean, it wasn't like an intuition or an instinct because I was about to leap out and grab that girl. That was my full intention was to jump out, grab her, scare, her, and get a big laugh. But so, in other that- words,
0: uh, a, a, a an iron hand saved your butt.
4: You can say that, but it was very profound, and I'm just wondering if anybody (laughs) has ever experienced anything like that before.
0: That's a hell of a story. I'll give you that. Um, Pretty cool, actually.
4: Well, see, the thing is, it happened one more time about five or six years later at a red light, where the red light turned green, I'm I'm the lead car in the intersection, and that unseen hand is back on my chest and i can't really think or breathe or concentrate or do anything for about five seconds and when it goes away the cars behind me honk their horn and i proceed into the intersection just in time to stop as a truck runs the red light just where i would have been had that not had happened
0: so you have a guardian hand in your life
4: well, I'm just wondering if that's ever happened to anybody else, because why would that happen to me? People get accidentally shot all the time. People get T-boned in intersections all the time.
0: Yes, they do. I mean. Uh, but you have been saved by the guardian hand.
4: No, I, I don't know why, because there's nothing special about me, I'll tell you that. I'm just a well, single guy who lives with two dogs.
0: There is now. Um, there is now. All right. Well, that's one way of a story. Saved by the hand. Way better than talk to the hand, right? Saved by the hand. Had his life saved twice by the hand. Anybody else out there experience anything like that? Actually, that's a pretty cool story. David in Oklahoma, you're on the air. Hi.
12: Roswell's Art. Thank you. Um, yeah, back in 1999, I, I lived in uh, Mount Vernon, Indiana. It it goes along. It's down the cornfields all the way from the. It's about five miles from Illinois state line, and it. And if you followed I-64, it ends up at Scott Air Force Base. Mm-hmm. I've heard I've heard stories before that Scott Air Force Base had UFOs. Well, back in 1999, me and my kids' mom just got home. It was about 9:30 at night, and I looked off to. Toward the Wabash River, toward Illinois, and here comes this light toward us. She goes on in, takes a shower. I get the kids out, take them into bed, come back out. I'm getting groceries out, and I just stopped because this thing is just coming so low. It flies completely over my head. It couldn't have been moving a a half a mile an hour. It took like three minutes to cover to get completely past me, and Mm -hmm. it was. uh, And I had a yard light um, out in front of my yard. Between between the road and my front of my house, uh, you probably got about two hundred feet. Well, the thing completely covered from the road all the way to the front of my house wide, and it was probably a football field long. There was nothing, no sound, no crickets, no. I, I mean, you could hear the crickets, but there was there was no sound of this thing at all. It was totally amazing. And then about a few years later, well, it was back in 2006, I I was up in Chicago, and I heard a guy describe it as an aircraft carrier was blocking the O'Hara Airport. And hmm. and it was uh, hovering above the O'Hara Airport, and this was on a local radio station in I Chicago. Actually kind, I
0: kind of remember that.
12: Yes, and, it, and they described it the same the same way I'd always described it as a floating city block until that, until I heard that guy describe it as a floating aircraft carrier, or I would mm-hmm. say like a floating barge on a river. And it was amazing. And I could, you know, it was, I could see the blue, I could see windows, I didn't see nobody. But I mean, it, it was just, it, it wasn't very tall. It had to have little people in there because, the, you know, I could see that. It was no wider than like a river barge, or the depth of it would be no no deeper than a river barge, but it was so how
0: deep. how how little would the people have to be?
12: I'm going to say it, you had to be five feet or uh, smaller.
0: Right.
3: It, it oh, was, okay.
12: And I've heard like Scott Air Force, Force Base before from other people saying that, that that's where they are doing these, you know, I believe that's where the UFO Cause you could leave Scott Air Force Base and you could go straight to where the UFO flew over me. And I went, and as the thing is coming into the yard, I went and snatched my kids' mom out of the shower, brought her out on the porch. And I was like, <laughs> cause we, we lived out in the country. There was nobody around. And I brought her out on the porch. She looks up at it and she, you know, her attitude was just mind blowing. She's like, so what? It's a UFO. I'm
5: like, oh, <laughs> I'm like, oh, are you crazy? Said,
0: oh. <laughs> all right, all right, thank you. Uh, that's too much. Um, so what? It's a UFO. Big deal. I'm going back to the shower. <laughs> that is funny. Um, what is the, uh, I think I've got a question for the audience. We'll see who's going to be willing. Oh, by the way, I have got um, Skype. All ready to go. So I am going to qualify you all to call on Skype, and I'll play with it tonight. I've been wanting to play with Skype anyway, so it's a good night to play with it. Here's the way you contact me on Skype. Somehow I, I imagine this lady being dragged from the shower, uh, probably no clothes, or very almost no clothes. <laughs> um, I'm art.bell51. That's the way you reach me on Skype. Art dot bell 51. Now I don't have video. people keep trying to connect with video and I'm intentionally not hooking up the video. For one thing, it requires more bandwidth so I'm not going to do that but uh, we're all set to receive audio and if you're outside the United States, it absolutely is an opportunity for you to call in. I'm going to give the address one more time and I hope you'll give it a try. I will absolutely answer it art dot bell 51. That's the way to reach me on Skype. In the meantime, uh, let's go. I just opened Skype up, so it's all set. Uh, Let's go to Texas and uh, Ross. Hello, Ross.
8: Good evening, Art. Uh, Pleasure to speak to you. Um, I used to listen to you uh, back in 95 and 96 uh, a lot, and uh, one story I've never forgotten, and I tried to call in during the Time Traveler segment you had a few weeks ago. I, I couldn't get through, but we all just get through whenever we're supposed to. I've never forgotten about Jonathan, or single seven, the rogue time traveler. Could you please tell me what happened to to him because he went off the radio and I never found out?
0: Listen, I don't know what happened to any of my time travelers. What I can tell you is this. Uh, almost all of them disappeared and have been virtually impossible to, to contact. I've heard rumors... The Dr. David Anderson, who was a pretty convincing guy at the time, uh, is still around or may be around, and I've got somebody trying to contact him, but look, almost everybody who claimed to be a time traveler is gone. What that means, I'll let you imagine for yourself.
8: Oh, my. It was the best story ever. He had an answer for every every one of your questions. He could have made a great movie. I don't know why no one made a movie out of it, but it was the best.
0: Well, there have been a lot of time traveler movies uh, since.
8: Wow. He was just a rogue separated from his pod and came back to keep (laughs) the world warm so the Neem couldn't take over or something like that. Yeah, I I think
0: that um, this show, this program, has inspired a lot of movies that you've seen since those years when we did those shows. A lot of writers were sitting around listening to uh, my show and ended up writing stories that ended up becoming movies
8: made a bundle. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, one other question. Years ago when I was out here living alone on my property in Texas, I was camping out for many years, but somewhere in 95 or 96, I saw a shooting star hit the ground between me and the next town south of here. And I never went out there to see what happened. There was a friend of mine and his daughter out here. They were looking at the ground at the time, and they kind of saw remnants of the flash, and I told them about it. They doubted me until he went back to his town in Fredericksburg the next day and heard about it on the radio, because people from there had seen the flash uh, from, you know, 40 miles away. And it was between me and the next town, which is ten miles south of me. And I never did go out to look for a crater. And I I recently went on Google Earth to see if there was a crater of some sort. But the next day there were helicopters around, and uh, that metal is probably worth a lot of money if I would just go out there and look for it. And I was too busy building my house, and I never did go just look for the crater.
0: Well, if there you know if there were helicopters around, there probably were uh, Men in Black and all kinds of things looking yeah. for what you you wanted to find, and uh, I'm sure they got it and you didn't. On uh, Skype, hello, uh, Frank, you're on the air.
9: Can you hear me? Uh,
0: hello. No, you're all broken up, sir.
9: Sorry. Uh,
0: uh, might as well be from another planet. Not a good connection, but thank you for trying, Frank. Um, not a good connection. I'm sorry. I'm not sure whose side that was on, but we gave it a shot. Uh, now, here's something important, folks, uh, if you're able to do it. If you're going to try the Skype uh, direction, please, if you're able to, number one, wear a headset mic if you have one. That's ideal. If you don't have a headset, mic, then what I would ask you to do is to get very close to the uh, microphone on your speaker. I really, really, really want to experiment with Skype. I hope we get some good connections. Again, uh, to call me, it's simply art.bell51. That's simple, and you'll get through. All right, let's go here, Arizona, and Derek.
11: Hi, I'm glad I made it through.
0: I'm glad you did, Um, too.
11: There's been a lot of, uh, inspiring, you know, kind of conversation about why we're important. And, yes. uh, I, I, I'd like to preface this with saying that I come from a strong Christian upbringing and, uh, believe every word of the Bible. Uh, if it's a, you know, if some people think it's a metaphor, sometimes the metaphor is just as important. Uh, however, we're talking about, uh, aliens, uh, making hybrids. And uh, I don't think you know people when the Bible was written could relate to that at all, mm-hmm. and uh I haven't been able to find anybody uh in any church, uh, at least Protestant church, that would be willing to correlate what we know or think we might know about aliens with the Bible. uh A lot of them kind of just like reject it, and I think it fits quite nicely um and as far as how we're important in this neck of the woods, you know, to uh, to quote Timothy, uh, I think it has something about us being created in God's image. Uh, and I also like let what he ask said you said about. Let
0: me ask you this, sir: yeah. uh, Do you think that aliens, if they exist, um, are also created in the same image of the same God?
11: Not at all. No? That's why we're unique, no.
0: Oh, so God, uh, God is unique, uh, excuse me, God is unique only to human beings and planet Earth.
11: Not, no. Uh, no? Let me, uh, that is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is God's everywhere. He's omnipresent uh, and omniscient and omnipotent. But
0: okay, if, they, if that's true, angels, sir, then, then would, would he not right. be the God of, of another race as well?
11: He is, but those races aren't created in his image. For example, uh, the angels. If you would like to uh, prescribe the name angels to alien, I kind of see them uh, synonymous. You do? I kind of do. Uh, and in that line of thinking, well, that, I don't think not, that they have not, emotions. C- I think they because Excuse, of their excuse telepity, me, that's, that's not that, like that,
0: that, you, that's not consistent with the Bible, sir. Um, I'm sorry, that's uh, you're you're going way off track there. Either God is everywhere and everybody's God, or or or, or not. And um, angels equal aliens, or aliens equal angels. I I don't think so. I mean, your whole premise began with I believe every word in the Bible. So that that just doesn't work. I'm gonna try Skype again. Brendan, you're on the air on Skype. Hello,
13: Mega Roswell's art.
0: Well, thank you. You've got a good connection. Where are you?
13: Santa Barbara, California.
0: Santa Barbara. Excellent.
13: Welcome to the program. It's really good to have you back.
0: Thank you. Thank you.
13: Um, No, it's really, it's just, uh, it's incredible. Um, But tonight didn't go well.
0: No. No, it didn't.
13: (laughs) You know, and I'd actually um, been so excited that I signed up for Sirius. And and let's, you
0: know what, let's examine, uh, or you give me your opinion of what happened with Timothy Good.
13: I think he's a gentleman.
0: Absolutely, I think
13: that he um, might have been a little bit too gentlemanly. But I, you know, I do think that this is going to be tough, Art. I'm That's right. Push great. back here a little bit. It's okay. I'm gonna you know, push away. You're so you're so important to me, but uh, Art, I think you should have read the book.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I should have read the book. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you here's know, so here's I, the thing. I, I, you know, a I read a lot, of a lot, sir. Of hold on just a second. Way. Hold on a sec. Yeah. Yeah. I read um, a lot of my guests' book. In fact. My guest's book, excuse me. Uh, I've got um, I got a signed copy of uh, last night's guest. I didn't know that I, I had it until after the show. So I do it after I've had the guest on. And the reason is this. I don't want to get a guest on the air who just says, you know what? Uh, it's in my book. Uh, if I ask them a question, it's in my book. Uh, is not a good enough answer for a talk show. When you're doing a talk show, you want actual information. And so, even if they've written a book, you want them to be able to tell the audience um, about whatever the story is, um, and not just sort of say, "It's in my book."
13: Yeah, and you know, I think the book, as far as you know, I've read so far, um, does contain a lot of firsthand witness testimony he goes and he interviews some people with some really excellent stories um but i don't know why he didn't talk about that and i think maybe it's because um you know he wasn't prompted to or maybe he's just too sweet
10: (laughs) Sweet, uh,
0: well anyway you can't fault fault me for not trying sir i tried to get him to go toward you know firsthand evidence um I tried to get him to go toward things, you know, but it was it all came out sort of third handish. Yeah, yeah. Or Uh, read my book.
13: (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. Listen, and and last thing, you know, I wanted to say that every uh, since we you as a family, every time my dad gets a nosebleed, he says, "Oh, it's the implant." (laughs) So um, you've played a large role in you know my family dynamic, and we appreciate all your all your work in that regard.
0: I appreciate you. your call. Thank you very much, and take care. Uh, so there you have it. Um, and now we've got a zillion Skype calls there. They're just coming in by the, uh, the boatload. So let's go here to Arizona and Bill. Hi, Bill.
10: Oh, hi, Art. Yeah, first-time uh, caller, listener. Um, I, I'm really uh, I'm kind of concerned with your first story, the uh, the whole uh, uh, thing in Japan and Fukushima uh, those oh, people yes. those people are volunteering to die that are going to be doing those rods and and we all need to really have our minds focused that that they can all get it done um, otherwise it, it's been great to uh, listen to you ours <laughs> if tomorrow doesn't go well <laughs> Um, No, this is
0: not – first of all, understand, it's not tomorrow, although I I always worry about tomorrow, but uh, this is going to be going on for about a year. It's going to take them about a year to transfer these fuel rods uh, safely, and it's all going to be a human operation. This is scary stuff.
10: Right. Right, it's serious. Um but but to go to go back to I, I've been listening the past couple of weeks here to you since you've been on Sirius and I've kind of been wondering if there's a planet that's out of phase that the interdimensional people come from that won the war, uh, where where the debris is on Mars, um and it isn't taking aliens from way far away. They're right here. They won the war millennia ago, and maybe maybe we're remnants of those that they defeated, and they let us just kind of be until we finally recognize who they are and maybe pose them at that point. And so they keep tabs on us.
0: Well, I hate to think of myself as a remnant, but you never know
10: kind of weird thought just a postulation well thank you art <laughs>
0: thanks for the call sir from one remnant to another <laughs> are we remnants do you think that there w- was a war over the human race long ago uh that war was um one side was victorious and now we are nothing but the remnants let's go back uh if we can give it a try to Skype and say, hi there, Zach, you're on the air. Hi, Art, can you hear me? Oh, I do indeed. Oh, excellent. Thank you very much for having me, Mega
14: Roswells and 51s from Belgab. Thank you. Uh
3: well, Where? I where, where out of matter
14: the Elisa Lamb case uh, that you talked about last week. Uh-huh. Where are you? Oh, I'm in uh, Oakville. That's just outside of Toronto, Canada.
0: Okay. And the Elisa Lamb case, y'all, yeah, go ahead.
14: Yes. Yes. Um, I, I did some research after I watched the video, and I wanted to share with you um, one of the theories that's going around on the Internet about it. Sure. Um, apparently, um, around the time that she was found dead, there was a, a tuberculosis outbreak amongst the homeless population in L.A. Really? And someone looked up her name and, and discovered that it was an anagram for the American classification for tuberculosis or something like that. That's weird, and that perhaps some sort of government or some sort of clandestine operation um, perhaps poisoned her. But I mean, I mean, I'm I'm not a believer in this. It's just something that was interesting because I'm sort of skeptical. It still doesn't explain how she ended up where no. she did. You know, clothes weren't found. Um, no, how she got through all these layers of uh, security, the alarm systems, and so forth. Uh, which brings another one where they were saying that perhaps. Uh, she used, um, or not she, but whoever offed her, he used some kind of, uh, uh, cloaking technology. Apparently there's a Canadian company, oddly enough, that apparently has come up with it. Huh. And some sort of, uh, she may have just been a victim of some sort of test operation.
0: Maybe, um, maybe. I, I have no idea. I'm with you all the way. I mean, look, she went through locked doors that were locked afterward, um, uh, she went to a place that it's very unlikely she would go. She went through alarm systems that didn't go off. Uh, there's so much about the story that is just too weird.
14: Right. I mean, one thing also to, to consider is that, uh, the hotel was rather decrepit and it's possible that some of the security measures could have failed at the time. That's a, another thing that, that, that comes to mind.
0: Um, possibly. Um, I I have no answers, none at all. Yeah,
14: I mean, neither do I. I mean, it's it's interesting. I mean, I just thought I'd share some of the things that people are talking about. I mean, I personally don't think we'll ever get to the bottom of what happened to her.
0: I think you're right. Um, We're never going to get to the bottom of it, but it stands out as one of the weirdest cases. And to this day, if I sit down again and I watch that video, it totally creeps me out. Oh, yeah, me too. I appreciate the call. Thank you very much, and uh, take care. Totally creeps me out. There are, you know, and I've seen, I've got another one, uh, you know, goes in a hallway and all that sort of thing, but there's something about that case and that video that is creepy, over-the-top creepy. All right, let's see where to go. Um, Let's go here to Iowa. And, Tom, you're on the air. Hi. Hello? Well, maybe I didn't punch the button let me try again there we go tom i think you're on there now hello Hi, how are you doing just fine sir
15: good yeah, i've been trying to get through to you <laughs> hey, i sent you a wormhole message about it. i thought uh praying mantises were aliens and then all of a sudden a couple of days later some lady came on uh so I remember that, and she said there was like eight foot praying mantises.
0: I do recall, I, yes.
15: I thought that was kind of cool, but uh, yeah, I, I lived in—I uh, was born in like Lake City, Minnesota, mm. and one day I was walking home from town. It was like in the early '60s, yes. and I—I I remember this, but I don't know if it's true or not. But my my neighbor block down the road was looking at something, and I asked her what she's looking at. And she pointed out this big, flying saucer just hovering in the air north of town, there. And I don't—I mean, like I said, you know, it was in the '60s. And I don't. All I, I still remember to this day seeing it up there. But I don't know what happened to it or anything. You know how it disappeared or, or left. You know, but I—I've been trying to get a hold of you and find uh, You know, have you heard of anything like that or? <laughs>
0: I've heard of nothing but things like that, sir. Um, yeah, again but that and again and again.
6: One, right? No. Yeah, yeah.
0: Not that particular one, but but like them, sure. A million of them. In fact, we almost shouldn't tell these stories because they are that common. I saw a flying saucer. Well, yeah, me too. I saw a triangle. Me too. So they're not uncommon. They're extremely common. The question is how we flush out what they really are. In my opinion, it's just my opinion, they're not from here. Is there a possibility they could be that we're doing something that secret? Yes. Now, to go to something that Timothy Good said, and maybe some of you want to reflect on this, I have a very difficult time, and I know Richard C., if he's out there, is going to be hearing this and going, oh, come on, Art. But I have a very, very hard time believing that we have a secret space program. Something so secret and so incredible that we, we're putting things on the moon, we have bases on the moon, we have bases on Mars and beyond. I truly don't believe that. I would, I would like for it to be true, but I don't believe it. All right. Um, on Skype, you're on the air from where I don't know. Hello. Sun Jim, is that correct?
16: Yes, it is, Art. Can you hear me?
0: Yes, and I can't pronounce your name, so help me.
16: <laughs> you can call me SJ. I'm a West Coast fisherman, oh. and I've got some great stories for you. Uh, 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 but what... I wanted to talk to you about uh, alien, uh, the lighter side of aliens and also about God.
0: Well, I'm glad aliens have a lighter side. Let's hear about that.
16: <laughs> well, for one thing, I've always suspected that a lot of the um, crop circles are done by alien kids that are on field trip to Earth, huh. and it's part of yeah, it's part of their classwork. And a guy says, "Look, uh, we've been teaching you about uh, the solar system and galactic, galactic um, uh, references and connections, and um, draw it on that field down there just for the fun of it." And a kid gets on as you know, uh, basically a, a super calligraphist. Um, remember those etch sketches? Well, they've <laughs> yes. got one that's uh, century. No,
0: you're, you're not trying to tell me that, 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 right? that Romney has been doing any of these crop circles, are you?
16: <laughs> oh God. You know, the humor that's inherent in our situation needs to be brought out because sometimes the irony is all you can live for, yeah, for you, you know you, what I mean?
0: You, 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 Zidogod, you were going to mention God as well. so
16: Yeah, well, I have Good this segway. other theory that, you know, uh, since we all have a part of God inside of us, I was thinking it's possible that God has uh, all of us at the same time. So uh, that would determine what God is at any given point in time. And, uh, you know, you can trace all the inconsistencies to the the various uh, global thought uh, paradigms that we believe in, you know, the thought, the belief structures. As they change, God changes. So then
0: God could be like a trucker going down I-40.
16: Absolutely. Uh Why not? He is a trucker going down I-40. Right.
0: I've got the picture. Um, Okay, well, (laughs) Very interesting, and I appreciate the lighter side of anything. Trust me. Enjoy it very much. And that was a good Skype call. Okay. Let's go to Canada and Craig. Hi, Craig.
4: Hi, Roswell's Art. Thank you. Um, Not so long ago, uh, you had a gentleman on the phone who was trying to pilot his plane over Area 51. I'm just wondering whatever happened to that guy.
0: Well... It may well be that a railgun shot him down, and he's nothing but dust.
4: (laughs) Um, It does seem a bit strange that he was able to use a cell phone, you know, in an airplane. You know, he just came across a bit strange, that was all.
0: Well, I I really appreciated it. Yeah? I mean, if he didn't have that cell phone and he had not reached out to me, um, how would we know anything at all? And how would we be wondering now what became of him?
4: Well we don't do we? we don't know whether he's alive still or, or he's
0: gone. Indeed. Where are you, by the way? Canada. Uh-huh. I, I got that. But I mean where in Canada?
17: Edmonton. Edmonton
4: in Canada.
0: Edmonton, all right. And uh you've got an obvious English accent, so
4: I am an English truck driver in Canada,
0: so <laughs> yeah. You're an English truck driver in Canada? Yep. Fascinating. <laughs> what brought you uh what brought you all the way across the ocean to truck here. There.
4: Um, I, well, we just wanted to do it just for uh, just to say we've done it, that's all. Mm-hmm. Make a bit of extra money as well.
0: Alrighty. Um, I've got a question for you. Okay, go on. What is the most evil thing you've ever done?
4: The most evil thing I've ever done?
0: That's I right.
4: convinced my wife that I was psychic.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, uh good for you. Thank you for the call. Anybody else? Um willing to answer that question is welcome the most evil thing you have ever done i don't know why that just popped into my mind but it did ohio brings uncle duke hi art how are you i'm quite well uncle good
18: hey um might find this interesting uh, i listened to the previous guest talk about uh, neil armstrong and such uh, i, I knew Ar- neil armstrong um I'm a, a late 70s graduate of the University of Cincinnati Aerospace Engineering Program. I'm a retired aerospace engineer with the DOD. Yes, sir. And I knew, our, I knew him uh, you know, as well as a student can know a, a professor, but we got along famously because we were both airplane guys and both uh, really enjoyed talking airplanes. One time in a, in a group setting, uh, I asked him specifically about the UFO during the uh, Apollo mission. And he kind of smirked. You know, everybody talks about how the guy was uh, uh, standoffish and all that. One-on-one, he was very charming, had a very dry sense of humor, great guy. Uh, But in a small group setting, he was equally as charming and equally as as, uh, willing to talk. And and there were probably, I don't know, maybe half a dozen of us there students and himself. And... and, um, he proceeded to tell the story about yes, uh, they did look out the windows, and yes, they did see a, um, a kind of a sparkling, twinkling, on again, off again kind of light, and. Uh, They did call back to Houston, and he said, uh, you know, the first thought that it had been the boosters. And he said, but after we talked about that, that made no sense. They were too far away. And he said, we talked about it and talked about it. And he said, there's no question in my mind, and I've never forgotten this. He said, what we saw were the panels from the uh, service module. The service module, if you'll remember, that thing kind of opened up like a flower uh, to allow the command module to turn around and and then a dock with the lunar module, mm-hmm. and those panels peeled off, and you know momentum being what it is, they kept going, and uh and as they got further away, um and of course I, I don't remember if there were three or four, but I think there may have been four of them, and and they they all went you know kind of in different directions because there were four of them pointed in in a different direction, and uh, he said there's no question in my mind that's what we saw, so you know but I'm he didn't relate really,
0: he didn't relate anything to you about. Uh, craft that it had been, uh, given to the United States or any other country or having personally flown any of now, these craft. Now, now, did he? You
18: know, Art, if, if, if Professor Armstrong had said that, he would have done it firmly, tongue in cheek, um, but the guy had a great sense of humor he really did very dry uh, you know so so he, he could have said something like that but but no he said nothing like that he he you know he asked uh, he was asked a uh, a serious question by a, by a, a you know a senior uh, a senior in an aerospace engineering graduating class and uh, right. and he answered it seriously uh, and uh, so for all these people who want to talk about you know Neil Armstrong this and Neil Armstrong that i knew the man uh great guy, uh, you know, and I know how I answered the question because I heard him ask I heard the question asked, and I heard him answer.
0: Fair enough, I really appreciate that account. Thank you uh so very much. So there you have it. Nothing about um, alien craft and uh zipping around and piloting piloting them and uh, being instructed in their appropriate use, i guess i don't know um, all of that a little difficult to uh to buy. Uh, we're going to have to, boy, time does fly, doesn't it? Uh, my goodness. All right, we'll break here for a moment. When we get back, we'll continue to answer these banks of calls, and you should see them coming in. Holy mackerel. This is Dark Matter. All right. See all those phone lines blinking away there? Skype blinking away, going crazy. I'm going to ask everybody right now on hold the most evil thing they've ever done. So be prepared. <laughs> and I think we'll begin with um, Florida and Dave. Hello, Dave. Hello. Hi. How you doing, Dave?
5: No, not too bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, about 6.30 on October 11th, on Highway 160, right at the bottom of Monument Valley, right about 18, 19 miles south of Mexican Hat, Utah. All right, October 11th of this year. Um, I spent there's a wide spot there, and I spent the night there. I drive a truck for a living, and mm-hmm. I spent there, and I got up just about up. and you know I. I pulled a flatbed, so I got out, kicked my tires, everything like that, checked, you know, straps, chains. And about, I'm going to say 1,500 feet, there's that little rise, that little white spot there was on top of a no. About 1,500 feet out there, there was an object. I don't know what it was, all right? Uh, I don't know if it was uh, one of military aircraft or what. But it was dead quiet, and it was shaked like a spoon without the handle but turned over. Hmm. And it was a nice silver color, but the bottom of it looked like water. Rippling water. Oh that's weird. Okay. Um I took seven pictures of it. Oh? Okay.
0: And yes, and and you have these photographs.
5: I have these photographs, okay?
0: Well, may the good Um, Lord bless you.
5: Hold on a second. The
0: object
5: does not appear, but the shadow it creates on the ground does.
0: Aw. That was such an interesting description that I was hoping for more than a shadow.
5: Well, hold on. It gets even better. Okay. I don't know what it is. I don't don't believe in UFOs, but, you know, i apparently... I have to change my mind or something. But uh, I took pictures of it. I didn't think nothing about it. And probably about 15, 20 seconds after I shot the last picture, it went from a dead hover spot Mm -hmm. and about, it it was about 50 feet in length. It broke the, it created a sonic boom.
3: Broke the sound barrier.
5: Oh, I'm gonna say fifty yards, mm-hmm. and created a vapor ring, because the air is moist that time of morning down there. Created right. a vapor ring and was gone. I mean, gone. It went down the. It went down the valley. It didn't gain no altitude, but it went down the valley like you'd shot it out of a gun.
0: So, Dave, what do you mean you don't believe in UFOs? You don't believe your own eyes?
5: Well. Uh, let me put it to you this way. Before October 11th of this year, mm-hmm. I really had serious doubts. How about now? Well, I saw something. I have no idea. I don't know if it was something <laughs> we had.
0: You, you just don't want to believe, do you, Dave?
5: Well, you know, I, I don't think we have the technology for the inertial dampers unless it was, a, unless it was an on-man aircraft. There's no way a human body could take that type of stress.
0: And so from that, what do you conclude?
5: It ain't from here.
0: If it ain't from here, and it did what you said, then, Dave, you got to believe.
5: Uh, yeah, I, I do now. <laughs>
0: hey, Dave, what's the most evil thing you've ever done?
5: Um, Spike the opposite water bottle the opposite team's water bottle when i was in high school
0: you spiked whose water bottle
5: uh football team we we're playing
0: the, the entire company? you spiked the entire team
5: well we we spiked their their coolers
0: their coolers that uh, that would be virtually everybody then huh
5: pretty much everybody on the other team
0: yeah how was the game we lost <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dave. Thank you. Good answer. Really good answer. <laughs> Let's go to Michael on Skype. Michael, hello. How are you doing? Um, better by the minute, Michael. But Art? Yes. I uh, want to start out by saying
2: okay. raging Yes, You're going
0: to have to rage a little closer to the mic because you're dropping out.
2: Um, my question was... Uh, I've always tried to put myself in position to to see a UFO. Um, uh, spent some time out by your house at Dumont Dunes, rode to the top of the dunes and sat there for hours looking out. And in, Michael, into-
0: I would like to state right now that my house is not a good place to see a UFO. <laughs> I'm trying to discourage this activity.
2: <laughs> well, well I, Dumont Dunes is really close. To yes, me. it is very close. And uh boy it's just amazing how clear it is out there. But I do believe uh I want to believe and I just know they're out there. And but you hopefully. just
0: really want to see one, right?
2: Oh, more than you
0: could ever imagine. Started matter of fact I used to take my radio up there and listen to you on K-Don. Uh-huh. All right, well stay <laughs> stay away from my house, Michael. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, see you later. Thank you. Uh-huh. Uh, people, <laughs> people come to me, and um, it's pretty easy to recognize because, well, first of all, I'm, of course, my house is fenced. But uh, people, it's a, it's a dead-end road, so you can't miss them. They come cruising by very, very slowly, and then they stop at the end of the road, you know, dead-end, and they turn around, and they come back. And very, very slowly they're moving. And then usually they stop. You see a camera eek out the window and take a number of photographs. And then eventually they continue on. It's a little strange, but we've learned to sort of live with it. Um, Hello there in New Jersey. Holly, how are you?
19: Yes, good. How are you?
0: Just spiffy.
19: I just want to tell you, you are a radio god. Uh, no, I'm not. I, I love you. <laughs>
0: well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. A God, I am not though. Trust I have
19: me. Um, t- two parts actually. Um, years ago, I was going through some of my mother's papers, and I found a letter that she had wrote. And in the letter, she had stated that she actually seen a UFO. Right. Well, I never knew anything of this, so I questioned her about it, and she was very reluctant, you know, to tell me the story, but she finally did, and she said that she had seen a UFO and that it was very quiet, and it actually looked like it was sucking electricity out of the power lines,
0: and I wanted to know... You know, you and driving heard. up everybody's electric bill.
19: <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but have you ever heard of any, anything like that, where they've actually siphoned electricity?
0: Seen it in the movies?
19: In the movies, yeah. You know, she, you know, she said she's seen it, and she swears it, but you know, I didn't see it for myself, so I'm not sure. But that's what she says. Um,
0: and I'm the other sure time, one day I'll walk out on my back porch, and I'll see this giant saucer sucking up from my big antenna.
19: <laughs> um also, to the other part, um, when you had talked about, like, why why the aliens are here and, and so forth, and people are saying it's because of our soul or because they want to to breathe with us. Yes, yes. You know, every every animal on Earth, we study. Um, mm-hmm. Every animal. Regardless right. of what it is, we study it. Right. I think it's the same thing for them. We're an animal, so they study us. And I don't think it's any special reason. I think it's just because... We're
0: here. Do you want to hear something really creepy? Sure. Scientists right now, um, Holly, are growing stem cells. They're taking human stem cells, or I guess, uh, actually not, not, they are human, but they're embryonic stem cells. And they are growing them in cultures. And what they're getting is creatures, uh, humans, but with a brain and other human parts, but no heart. And so these things are dying very quickly. There is no heart to propel the uh, you know, the blood around. So they're, they're not getting bigger than a pinhead, but they're growing things from embryonic stem cells. Now, is that creepy or what?
19: Oh, very creepy. Scary.
0: It is scary. It scares me even. (laughs) I heard that earlier today. I'm going to try and find a guest on that. Uh, They're doing some pretty creepy stuff with stem cells.
19: Very scary. Also, what do you think about people that are RH negative? There's some talk on the Internet about people that are RH negative possibly having some alien connection with the reptile aliens and so forth.
0: I think they mostly should be gathered together and dissected. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i don't know what's the most evil thing you've ever done
19: i actually a friend of mine was going to throw a party for me and mm-hmm. i went to his house and he was in, he was all drunk and there were people there i didn't know and i was about 17 years old and the rest of them were about 17 years old and i left in a huff and i actually called the cops on them
0: <laughs> <laughs> <under each drinking. laughs> pretty oh my god pretty cold and a good answer thank you
19: Thank you. Have a good one. Yeah,
0: you have a good night. Take care. <laughs> That's funny. All right. Um, Duncan, I think it is. I don't know. On uh, on Skype, you're on the air. Hello.
20: Hey, how you doing, Art?
0: Um, good to have you. Where are you?
20: I'm in a parking lot in Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm in a truck.
0: Just hanging out in the parking lot. All right.
20: Yeah, I'm doing a Okay. Uh to answer your question, the first question, the most evil thing I've ever done, I was a firebug when I was a kid. <laughs> so, really? I set a couple apartment buildings on fire. Oh my God. Luckily, no one got hurt and outgrew that.
0: <laughs> Those were but, occupied or unoccupied? Uh, they were occupied. Occupied? Yeah, I got caught. You know, oh, you actually, and, you d- did get caught? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Luckily for the people that's fairly that evil. Yeah, that's fairly evil. You win so far.
20: <laughs> well, I feel bad about it now. I do too. Uh, I also uh-huh. had. An, I've never seen a UFO. Uh
0: huh.
20: I've traveled five million miles. And,
0: because of your evil ways,
20: I think so. <laughs> uh, I feel kind of lucky for that. And also, I had a, another question that's uh, unrelated. There was a lady used to explore caves. Uh, Bonnie
0: on- Bonnie crystal
20: yeah we have her back on anytime soon
0: uh it's a good question and uh I'll see if Bonnie's around but yeah she's a fascinating lady huh yeah she, she lived uh, a very long time in Hong Kong and uh we used to chat while she was in Hong Kong and I was in Manila and we used to get on the on the internet and chat so I'll see what if I can reach out to Bonnie all right
20: well it's been great talking to you I'm so great you're back
0: I uh, well so- thank you Thank thank you very much. Oh, those poor people. Two, not one, not one but two apartment buildings. Oof. Okay, so on Skype, I'm art.bell51. That's art.bell51. That oh, was scary. Uh, hello there in Colorado. Gary, you're on the air.
9: Hey, how's it going, Art?
0: It's going pretty well, actually.
9: I have a, a kind of similar story to the Iron Hand, but I kind of to
0: tell. Okay.
9: Uh, it's not necessarily the Iron Hand, but some years back when me and my wife was together, I was at the house, I was off of work, and I was really, really bored and full of energy, full of energy. Right. A friend of mine called me and said, hey, come on over, we're having a get-together, Going to be some drinks. There's going to be all my family here and everything. It's going to be really fun. And I said, "Of course, not a problem." So, as I was getting ready to get ready to head over there and go over there, man, I got this like weird, weird, weird feeling, and it, and all my energy drained. This is a true story. Now, all my energy drained. Like I just got exhausted for some reason. I never mm-hmm. called him back. I never called back and said I wasn't coming. I just didn't show up. Okay. The next morning, I woke up, and I called them, and I was told by my friend that the house got shot up.
0: Shot up?
9: Yeah, shot mean like, up. You mean
0: like a drive-by?
9: Well, it wasn't a drive-by. They had some guys that was over there that they didn't know, but they let them in the party anyway, oh, and they goodness. were just not good, and they, they shot up. They shot up the household. Which is which wow. funny to me, which makes which makes me think about it, is that nobody died. A couple of people did get shot. Nobody died. But I always think to myself, if I was there, what, would I have been the one person that have died?
0: So it's like you had a guardian energy sucker.
9: Yeah. I don't know. I really can't explain it, but it was really weird. I had sat around the house all day long just watching mm-hmm. TV, and I was really, really bored. And I was like, i got to do something. And then all of a sudden, when I got ready to go do this...
0: There's no question, I, TV can suck the life right out of you.
9: Yeah, yeah, you're right. But I uh, just I just got all my energy drained
0: in. I, I, I didn't I hear go. You.
9: I'm glad I didn't go.
0: I'm glad you didn't go, too. A Guardian energy sucker. Let's go to Michigan. And Dean, hello, Dean.
21: Hi art uh second time callers and mega dittos uh, or excuse me mega Roswells from Belgab Thank you uh yeah, I'm not calling about any kind of angels or portals. I got a good old fashioned bizarre aerial phenomena to tell you about okay um, it was back I was my second year out of college back in nineteen seventy eight um and I happened to get up at about nine thirty I was on my bike and being a nineteen year old I didn't have a car at that point. And I was just biking along the road, and it's uh, up in the Upper Peninsula, Michigan, pretty rural area there. Um, Biking along, and I saw something out of the side of my eye. And so I turned and looked off to my left, and there, about five feet away from me, floating along at the same speed that I was biking was uh, what I will call it is a silver ball bearing. It was about the size of a croquet ball. Uh, exactly at my head level, about like I said, five feet away, almost like a mirror. It was so, uh, you know, it was just so shiny, and um, just cruising along. And I, my jaw dropped. I'm biking along, and I didn't know what to think of it. And uh, it shot up in the air, and I, my head whipped up to follow it. I could just kind of see it disappearing up, and I, at that point, I lost sight of it because I went off the road and smashed into right. the bushes. And right. so, got off the bike, uh, looked around, couldn't see anything, and um being a scientific kind of person, I got my bike, got on my bike, and I went through about three, four times that same route trying to look for something that might have reflected off my glasses or something like that, but
0: mm-hmm. nothing. So, you had an encounter with a ball bearing.
21: That's Yeah, that's what I call it. I actually call it croquet. It was about the size of a croquet ball. I was big in a croquet back then, so. But, yeah, huh. it was. Floating along right next to me, and I—I I, I was stunned. I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of bizarre. I didn't tell too many people about it at the time because I kind of thought, mm,
0: you
21: know, they're going to think I was doing something.
0: They might have. Yeah. Uh, they might have, Dean. What? Well, speaking of doing something, the most evil thing you've ever done is
21: um, marry my ex-wife.
0: <laughs> you mean again?
21: She, well, no, no. Well, that's what she said after I got divorced. That was the most evil thing I did.
0: So. <laughs> you see. All right. Thank you very much and uh, and take care. And uh, let's go to Skype and um, Guy, I guess, and Sonia.
22: Yeah. Hi, Art. Hi. Um, I was thinking back to the, the first show that you did and uh, had Michio Kaku on.
0: You mean the first and, show on on dark matter? Yes. Right, mm-hmm. right, right.
22: Uh, I'm not that old. I. Right?
0: <laughs> Thank uh, you.
22: Anyway, he had he had changed his odds. He he laid a fifty percent.
0: Absolutely, yes.
22: And us reaching a type one civilization.
0: Yeah, you know what it was originally years ago. It was a hundred to one.
22: <laughs> and so I wondered if if his changing the odds had anything to do with your show coming back on the air. Yes, that was the reason. You've guessed it. Yeah. Uh, along those lines, um, I wanted to sort of say hi to all the folks over on Belgab uh, uh-huh. who sort of carried the flame on uh, these years you were away and wondered if maybe somehow uh, unintentionally we'd, we'd done a mass consciousness experiment over there. And I'm and, the victim. Right, exactly.
0: <laughs> maybe. Uh, who knows? Uh, I mean, I would be the last person to reject such a possible scenario. So, yeah, maybe. Maybe. It's a it's a vicious but vaguely lovable group.
22: Right. Exactly. Right, can I turn this on you and ask you what's the most evil thing you've done?
0: Oh man! How rude is that to ask a question like that just on the fly? <laughs> Uh, I've done so many. Uh, You're going to have to give me some time to think about it. Um, uh, I
22: guess... Take my answer off here.
0: Okay, you'll get it off there indeed. There have been so many. I remember that when I was in high school, I was required to take home ec, which I thought at the time was cruel and unusual punishment of the very worst kind, and we wrecked that class. I mean, we wrecked it. We all, um, all the guys, we're guys required to take home egg, right? We poisoned each other's food. I mean, nobody, and the teacher would come around and sample this stuff afterward. You know, there'd be a a good cup full of salt where it shouldn't be, that kind of thing. It was really awful. It was a failure. I, I don't know if high schools now do this sort of thing. Still, today, I would imagine they do. They give guys a little taste of what it's like to have to cook and girls a little taste of auto shop or something. But uh, it didn't work. It was, you know, the first time they had tried something like that. And we utterly destroyed the whole program. (laughs) The most evil thing I've I've ever done, that probably doesn't qualify, but it came to mind immediately. All right, let me see. Uh, let's go to California and Scott. Hi, Scott.
2: Hello, hello, hello. Um, Mega 88201s to you.
0: And what does that mean?
2: That is the zip code of Roswell. Oh, so, very uh, good. Anyway, um, do you want the evil story or do you want the reason I called about UFOs?
0: Well, uh, let's start with the reason you called.
2: Okay, I think you said, or someone said earlier that they thought that uh, the uh, people coming to visit are interested in our souls, Yes, which makes me wonder, what is a soul? And I've always heard that it's comprised of the mind, the will, and the emotion, which if you look at that verse in the Bible that says, you know, what does it profit a person to gain the whole world, yet lose his own soul? or in this case, lose his own mind, will, and emotions, it right. seems to make pretty good sense. But if they're really interested in our souls, and uh, our souls are indeed the mind, the will, and the emotions,
3: mm-hmm.
2: they don't have a whole lot to pick from. You talk about the remnant, man. I mean, the world is going crazy at, at, uh, at a, at a um, hair-raising clip. So. Boy, you got that right. Know, I think, you know, the more I think about this thing about seeding uh, and that Adam and Eve was a was a fairy tale, uh, what if we're just a big experiment and they check in from time to time just to see how we're doing? I mean, it's depressing.
0: Well, then at some point uh, in the, in the not-too-distant future, we're going to get vaporized because they're going to look down and they're going to say, what have we done? Zap. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really worried about that.
2: Trying to find a way out of their the mess that they've caused, if indeed that's all it actually is, is a big experiment that's gone amok.
0: Or but, uh, uh, maybe the God of the Bible is real, and he'll look down and say, fail and zap.
2: Or he could be a guy driving a truck across, you know, up 81 or something.
0: I-40, yeah, uh, you know, and just presses a button, zap.
2: Okay. Uh, That's the serious thing. The most Mm -hmm. evil thing I did was more funny than evil, but it was evil. Uh, In 73, I had my first radio job at a little FM station about 50 miles outside of DC. And we had to play certain records, and uh, even the people on the air didn't always care for the records. Well, I had one guy who every time I played the night the lights went out in Georgia would call in and just raise the devil with me. Couldn't stand that song. And he said, you know, if you ever play it again, I'll never listen again. And I said, well, sir, I don't know if you're aware of the consequences of that action, but we're licensed by the Federal Communications Commission to operate this radio station. With an antenna height of whatever it was, a wattage of whatever it was, effective radiated power of 3,000 watts, which means we can only accommodate a certain number of listeners at any one time. (laughs) So you're free to tune out if you want, but I can't guarantee that you're going to be able to tune back in if -hmm. you decide later you want to. And I paused. And about ten seconds later, he said, "Well, okay, I'll let it go this time."
0: <laughs> not bad, not not overly evil, but not bad. I, I did I did much worse on the radio. In fact, even recently. Uh, let's try Skype. Uh, boy, not a good connection here, Kenny. Hello. Uh, you're all distorted, Kenny. It's, uh, you're, you're, uh, I see something that says, I'd rather be killing zombies.
15: Yes, I would rather be killing zombies.
0: Uh, I bet you would. Um, and with, with audio like that, they're probably going down fast. Um, get, get away from your mic a little bit there, Kenny. Gotcha. Usually I have to say the other way around, but you're, you're really pumping some audio there, my friend. So what's up?
3: Roswell, it's good to hear
12: you again on the radio, and that's all I want to say.
0: All right. Well, I appreciate the call. You said it. Take care. And I I think some people sometimes just want to see if they can get through. Yes, you can get through. But be prepared to answer the question about evil. Uh, To uh, Dave in Florida. Hello, Dave.
23: How are you, Art?
0: Very well. Thank you.
23: Sobs. First time caller, and a long time listener. Um, I grew up over in Vegas, over the hills from you. Um, my dad was on the Air Force base. We lived on uh, Nellis from '77 okay. to I think about '81. And do you know where Sheephead Mountain is? From what?
0: From I'm sorry. Sheep's what mountain? Sheephead Mountain. Sheephead. Uh, I've heard of it. I don't know where it is.
23: Uh, it's kind of. It, it, I guess what kind of Northwest of the base, uh, on the other, you know, in between, I think, what is it? 95 or,
0: uh, right, right, right. Uh,
23: anyway, um, I had me and my brothers and three other friends. I, I loved to explore when I was a, when I was a kid and we used to see, I used to see snow on that mountain occasionally. Well, I had a bright idea one morning I got my brothers together and my neighbors and we took a hike, and we ended up going all the way, all the way to the uh, base of the mountain. Are you there? I'm here. And um, they ended up calling Search and Rescue, make a long story short, uh, short uh, and um, they had Metro Search and Rescue, the Air Force Search and Rescue out looking for us. And me and a friend of mine was the only one that stayed kind of back at the mountain, deciding, hey, we're going to just spend the night here where my brothers decided to try to make it home. Church and Rescue picked them up. Um, we ended up seeing lights towards uh, Mount Charleston area, you know, from where yes. we're walking back towards the base. And it was real scary because uh, these lights, they didn't look like, um, uh UFOs, you know, big huge UFOs in the air. They were more or less like uh, about the size of uh, you know a Volkswagen, and there were several of them. And and as a kid growing up on the base at nighttime, we used to see lights out there quite a bit in the distance and didn't know what they were. But
0: uh, I wonder, I wonder if v, VW uh, size uh, UFOs get better mileage. I,
23: I don't know. <laughs> But we ended up walking towards where the lights were, thinking that you know it was going towards the base, and and we actually we were walking you know towards Mount Charleston, you know what I mean? And they ended up they ended up finding us, and we made it on the news, and I got in trouble you know quite a bit <laughs> for for dragging everybody around. But does, it, had, does
0: this does this correlate with the most evil thing you've ever done?
23: God, the most evil thing I ever did was I dressed my little brother up as a girl when, <laughs> yeah, when we would go to the movies, um, I used to take him and dress him up as a girl. And the the lady that worked at the movie theater just thought that was so cute. I always got to go hit the movie theater for free because he thought that that was I... my little sister I was bringing with. Me. I <laughs> see. I'm... My brother's pretty happy. He doesn't even like talking about
0: that. <laughs> Too bad there aren't pictures. Um, I yeah. appreciate the calls sir. Thank you, thank you very much. And over to Skype we go. And Andrew,
22: hi, uh, this is your friend Andy from Melbourne, Australia. How you doing, Andrew? I'm doing very well, thank you. Um, I wanted to know: Are you doing a the New Year's Eve special show this year?
0: Am I doing any special show?
22: On, on New Year's Eve. Oh, on New Year's Eve. Predictions. Prediction you're, you're, you're talking
0: about predictions. Um, yes. Inevitably, I'm sure I will be. Uh, if I'm here on New Year's Eve, I'm sure I'll be doing it. Uh, but since you might not get in, Andrew, if you need to make a prediction for 2014. I don't know. <laughs> yes. What would you predict for 2014?
22: I predict, um, well, I think I'll predict the downfall of the other show, the show that must not be named. <laughs> Hopefully I get a ding, ding, ding.
0: Nah, I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, maybe, the, you know, dogs and cats will make up and everybody will get along and the world will be – what's the most evil thing you ever did?
22: Um, the most evil thing I ever did? I did a similar thing um, to my sister, uh, what the last caller did to uh, his brother. I dressed my sister up as a boy once. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> so I forgot would, about uh... my
0: sister. I, I I can top you, Andrew. I did something pretty awful to my sister. This was when I first began playing with electricity. You know, I was I was pretty young, and I wired up an electric chair. I took a regular chair and I wired her up. Bear in mind, I was very young. She was way younger. But I had her all set to plug her into the wall. Um, I was just discovering electricity and wire, and I thought it would be a cool idea. So I had her wired. And, of course, gee, this brings up all kinds of things. I also um, wired up the doorknob to my room, and I had a metal uh, thing that you would, have to stand on if you were, you know, in front of my door so that when you knocked or touched the door, uh, along with hopefully either bear or socks on you, you received a terrible jolt. And so I did, uh, I did play an awful lot around with electricity when I was young. Now I did not plug my sister in, but I did get pretty close actually. Um, Nevada has uh, Mike coming our way. Hello, Mike.
15: Hey, what's up, Bob? How are you doing today?
0: Um, just spiffy.
17: Well, uh, yeah, first time caller. I just want to say, uh, before I tell you, uh, well, before I actually ask more questions, I was going to say, you know, big fan. I actually stumbled across, um, I found out about you through YouTube. I stumbled across some of your videos just when I was surfing through, uh, YouTube a couple months back and then found out you're off the, off the radio through Wikipedia then found out you were back on the radio. It's just it's cool to actually be able to uh, talk to you though so I want to say that well, okay but um one question I was gonna ask and then I was gonna um respond and comment was, what did you think of uh, Timothy good I-, I thought he was i mean was he, was he as credible as um uh some of the other people you've had on some of the other guests that you've had on what do you say? he you respected you're asking time me, ask. you're
0: asking me you're asking me do I think he was as credible as others
17: yeah,
0: I don't think he was as credible as some and as credible as some others um I have had a wide very wide range of guests on this program, and so that'd be my answer i not as credible as some and as credible as others yeah
23: i i
17: just i thought he was um I thought some of the stuff he said was pretty far fetched. And to be completely honest, I'm not trying to be one of those debunkers from what he, the way he put it. it, it it's just, to me, some of the stuff that he was trying to, uh, trying to describe, at least like the whole, uh, telepathic stuff. Like, I mean, and this is my uh, only, I'm
0: with you all the way. Look, I'm, I'm with only, you all uh, the way. I, Timothy only, Good has a very long and distinguished, um, reputation in ufology. And so. I guess I would say I was surprised at the way he laid some of this out tonight. Uh, It was was pretty tough, really tough.
17: I agree. What was really weird about it was, um, this is the way I always look at it, if you're really looking hard enough for something, you're going to find it. And I think, you know, how he said that he sat down and he uh, telepathically sent out a message to everybody passing through the hotel or whatever, I mean, how many hotels has he gone to and done that? And then, you know, I mean, to me, that's all I'm trying to say is, you know, if you're looking hard enough to find something and if you're, and that's your, your career, your life, you're going to run into something that's to you seem versus whoever is doing that is going to seem abnormal or paranormal or out of this world. And I just, I, I'm not trying to say that he's incredible. Like you said, he's, a, I, I look him up online and he seems, you know, like a respectable guy in his field and everything like that. And I'm not he's saying he is
3: And yeah, I'm not he's saying a- he is.
0: Right, right. He's all of that, sir. Look, I I had the same reaction. Now you you don't argue with somebody who said, "Look, um, I saw this really cute girl, and I sent her a mental message, and she came over and curtsied." That's what he said, right? I don't think I'm getting that wrong. Well, there's nothing to argue with, uh, and there's nothing to say. Oh, gee. But there's nothing to confirm it either. Um, I have attempted to send out messages like that to cute girls. <laughs> i mean, not trying to get a curtsy, mind you, but uh, a message sent, definitely. All right, let me see. Let's go here. Uh, North Carolina and Stephen. You're in my birth state, Stephen.
2: Hi, how are you Roswell. Thank you. Yes, sir. I was calling um, about the new life form found in our sewer system.
0: Oh God! Is that? Did you actually watch that?
2: Yes, sir. I did, and I was wondering, like, how could this be? How could this be created?
0: I I don't think we want to know. Yeah. I, I mean, that that thing looked disgusting.
4: Yeah, it really did. I was like, is that a leech or is
2: it?
0: I don't think it was a leech. I I, I have no idea. It, it was. It was disgusting.
2: Period. And, and it makes me not even want to drink no water no more.
0: <laughs> uh, well, of course, you shouldn't be sampling water from the sewer anyway, but uh, whatever it was growing down there, I don't want anything to do with it, and it was just icky. Yeah, nasty. Yeah, I, I appreciate Oh, and you're in North Carolina too, aren't you? Yeah, yes, sir. uh uh-huh. Good luck, because you know what? That thing will probably grow.
2: Oh. They're like the blob.
0: Yeah, get some form of legs maybe. First thing you know, you're asleep late at night, and well, there you go.
2: And up through my um, up through my sink comes a blob.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. maybe. Hey, worse yet, how about your bathtub?
2: <laughs> oh my God, not while I'm in there. Not while I'm taking a shower.
0: <laughs> yeah, while you're taking a shower. Oh, well, go on. Listen, everybody, um, that thing is awful. I I don't know what it is. They say it's growing in a sewer in North Carolina. Take a look at it. It's moving. It's alive. It does not have arms, legs, head, or anything like that. It just looks like disgusting tissue, I guess is the way I would put it. It's awful. But it sort of pulsates a little bit. And in view of where it grew and or was, I hate to use the word, born, Came into existence. Uh, anyway, I'm done with this. If you if you want to see it, go take a look yourself. On uh, Skype, you're on the air. Hello, Jason. Hi, how are you? Uh, just fine, sir. Where are you?
24: I'm in uh, just outside of uh, Brandon, Manitoba, just uh, west of Winnipeg.
0: Okay. A tasty Canadian.
24: That's right. That's right. I'm uh, driving cross-country here. Okay. And... Uh, I find, uh, I was wondering um, what, um, if somebody's actually figured out uh, the actual numbers as far as UFO sightings uh, in the summer compared to the rest of the year. Why? Well, um,
0: I'm, I'm going I'm to go out on a limb here. I'm going to say more in the summer. And, and the reason there's more in the summer is because people are outside doing stuff in the summer and they look up occasionally.
24: I, I, I completely agree with that. Um, however, do, uh, the reason I'm calling, uh, remember a few years ago, actually, no, it was re- as recent, I think, as two years ago, there was uh, a huge UFO sighting uh, all over uh, uh, this part of Canada. Um, and it was huge heavy lights, and it was seen from uh, all of Manitoba throughout Saskatchewan. Do remember, you remember that?
0: I I actually do remember it. And yes, it actually, it made, I remember the reports made, of it. Yes,
24: yeah, it made mainstream media and 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 everything. I, I just That's found right. that really remarkable, uh, just because uh, it's not, you know, a guy in his backyard looking up at the sky. You know,
0: it's, gotcha. Uh, yeah, what it's What is there. the uh, most evil thing you've ever done, Jason? Um.
24: Well. I'd have to say it's uh, something I currently do, and that is uh, white lies. It's what? Uh, telling white lies. I, I can't escape from it. I don't oh. know why. Uh, <laughs> I, you
0: know I understand. Another uh, in, in other words, you, uh, you 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 cannot make somebody feel poorly. So that's right. So you will tell little lies to make them feel better, no matter what.
24: And I was always I was brought up not to lie, mm-hmm. and I promised my mom that I would never lie, but to tell her that I don't lie is a lie itself.
0: I understand. Well, white lies almost don't qualify as evil, uh, frankly, Jason, but uh, I, I do appreciate the effort at it, but white lies. How about the rest of you? Do you do that? You tell little white lies. Let me give you an example. Um, ham radio, I'm a ham radio operator, right? Ham radio operators are consistently asking each other, how's my signal? Right? It's an obvious question. It's all you've got is your signal. So, most times, more times than not, you will hear one operator ask another, and the other operator will always say five by five, some of the best audio I've ever heard. When it's patently untrue i mean the guy just sounds terrible but somehow or another people feel compelled to give good reports absolutely compelled right now i'm compelled to take a break open lines anything you want to talk about is fair game i'm art bell and this is dark matter lines anything you want to talk about absolutely fair game and I keep looking at the wait times here, trying to pick the appropriate people. Yep, Nate in one. Utah, hello there.
25: Hey, how's it going, Art?
0: It's going real well.
25: Marvelous, simply marvelous. Uh, the name's Nate. Most people just call me Rumble Strips MacGyver. But I have an interesting couple stories for you if you get got a minute. I do. Um, uh, the, uh, it wasn't exactly the worst. Well, it depends on your point of view. Funniest, maybe. You ever heard the song Phantom 309 No. By Red, by Red Savine? No. Okay. If you, if you ever get a chance, take a listen to it. It's pretty good. It's an interesting. Well, the story behind it was um, I'm an over-the-road truck driver. I also train students. One of my best friends was my student. And uh, I was asleep in the back, and what I had, I have a CB radio in the truck, and I had a handheld CB radio that I would use to be able to sit outside and talk to him and help him back up. Right. Well, one evening I woke up, and he was driving across Wyoming on Interstate 80, and there was hardly any traffic out there, so I noticed that my radio was on, and I turned up my handheld, and, right. uh, you know, break one nine for radio check, and he answered it. Uh-huh. And um, we talked for about half an hour, 45 minutes, and he realized the signal hadn't changed. Well, truck drivers, you know, you're out of two, three-mile range. The
2: Absolutely. signal weakens.
25: Sure. Well, anyway... He asked me where I was at. And I says, well, I'm right next to you. And he kind of, he's like, no, really, seriously, where are you at? And I said, no, I'm serious, he's right next to you. But I wasn't really lying. technically behind you. I said, turn on your head, you know, overhead light. And he turns it on and says, well, you're wearing a hat, you got a pack of cigarettes on that, thing. and you're wearing a, you know, yellow shirt. And um, <laughs> he reaches up and turns off the light. And I said, well, let me kind of explain. This says, back in 1976, I was driving down this road. It was a horrible snowstorm. At mile marker, I think it was 377, just outside of Laramie. I had uh, hang on a I had um, uh, told him that there was a, a school bus of kids that were that had spun out on the interstate, and I accidentally hit them and killed them, and including myself. And you know, the higher power basically told me I'm cursed to the roads until I save all the souls that I, I've taken. And wow. he asked he asked me what the, my handle was, and I was sitting there trying to think of a really good handle. And I knew the question was coming up because I set him up for the question. Anyway,
3: <laughs> yeah, he
25: asked the question, and the only thing that blurted out of my mouth was Rider. Now I'm sitting, there, banging my head on the, <laughs> on the walkie-talkie, going, "Gee, that was original." <laughs> but anyways, he um he, he was kind of had this weird. Oh yeah, he bought it.
3: Damn.
25: Uh he, he had a weird look on his face the next morning and everybody at the truck stop has pretty much heard the song Phantom 309 and they, you know, truck drivers talk, so we just kind of ran with it. Well, that was the uh that was the whole bit there. Um the odd thing I saw was ironically in Utah, yes, right turn, turn right here. And um he at mile marker 56 on Interstate 80, it wasn't exactly Dark, but it wasn't light out. It was good dust, gotcha. and I saw it was uh, on the south side of the interstate. And there was an orb that lit up. It's about a mile away off of the road, probably about two, three hundred feet above the ground, and you could see around the orb. You can see behind it. Okay, you got to hurry.
0: It. We're we're running out of time.
25: Okay. Well, what happened is one appeared next to it, one appeared above, and it's just five straight up in a column, and they all disappeared. I was
0: just curious if anybody else seen that before. Have a good one. All right. Take care. Keep it together out there. On the road, definitely. And by the way, the prize might go to Lori. I don't know where Lori is, but she sends me a, uh, a wormhole message that the most evil thing she ever did was typing out an IRS audit letter to her sister. Ooh. That, you know, that might be the winner so far i'm not sure but it might be the winner we're out of time leaving the lines all full i love open lines i really do y'all be good now and i'll see you next week good night